Hey everybody, welcome back to Game Master's Getaway. So, <laughs> we decided tonight that we would plan an encounter. Three Game Masters with three completely different philosophies on how to run games. Uh, teaming up to design sort of a uh, Ninja Turtles meets Die Hard. In fact, quite literally, it became Ninja Turtles meets Die Hard. This is probably going to go down in history as the most fun episode we've recorded to date and the silliest episode that we have recorded to date. So listen, you guys have fun. I will catch you on the back end of things. Talk to you later. Can you hear me? Brian. Brian, can you hear me? Now I can hear you. Now you, now you can? Okay. Whew. I thought something had gone wrong. No, I, every time I key up my um, headset, I always have to turn on the speakers. So. Mm. Technology. How are you? Hey, guys. How's it going? What's up, Matthew? How are you? Doing well. Doing good. I had a hell of a good session on Saturday. Oh, yeah? Put me, put me in a great mood. Old school dungeon crawl. You would have loved it right up your alley. <laughs> it was good. Hey. hey, Gary? Yeah. You are really low. Yeah, you sound far away, Gary. Are you for real? Hang on. What about now? Oh, there oh, you are. Perfect. Yeah, it okay. took me a second. I thought I heard you, but I wasn't sure what I was hearing. All right. I was just yelling, you cannot be eaten while we're recording this. That is sorry. the grossest was... sound in the world. All right. You're right. I'm, I'll sorry. Finish. I have food issues. It's my it's my bad, dude. I, I have this whole thing with food. I can't watch Fear Factor to this day. It's the worst thing. <laughs> like, I really can't. I can't even. National Geographic, when somebody's going for that bug, I'm. Dude, it's like the, uh, it's the worst. All right, hang on real quick. I got to turn something off. Oh, man. I have had a pretty crazy week, actually. You doing all right? Yeah, I'm doing fine. I just... um what do you call it? My roomie's daughter got sick at school and they sent her home. They're like, you got to get a COVID test. She has like no COVID symptoms whatsoever. She's a 14 year old girl that like threw up at her desk. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But then, you know, I've been working part time anyway. It doesn't matter. We just screwed everything up. Everybody's just, you know, Sitting around again, you know what I mean? <laughs> Doing the COVID dance, right? <laughs> right. Cool. Waiting for everything to do. Okay, so welcome everybody. This is Gary, it's Brian, that's Matt, and this is Gamers Getaway and or Game Masters Getaway, excuse me. And we had talked earlier about planning an encounter, and somebody I don't care who somebody fleshed out that idea for us, what, what we had been talking about. I'll, I'll, I was the one that threw curveballs out there. I think originally we were talking around the ideas of defining NPCs and giving them more utility. And then uh, Matthew and I just started running around with uh, like,
it'd be fun to have three chefs create a dish, or in this case, three GMs. Count them one, two, three, because we're, we're all about counting right now in the nation. Uh, and have, have, have us uh, see what we can come up with collaboratively. Um, so, and the idea of just creating a one shot, one session system agnostic uh, concept that people could, I don't know, skin or layer into whatever sort of gaming system they may or may not have, giving, um, giving people the chance to, to look at encounter design from a new vantage point. Right. Well, it wasn't, and, and also the twist wasn't just to design an encounter. The twist was that you wanted to base it on an IP or on a movie or something like that, right? Like you guys were talking about redoing Die Hard, correct? <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, uh, Brian was just dropping out some ideas like ten, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Ghostbusters. And I just thought, you know, me being a guy who likes dungeon crawls and being a guy who likes focusing on world building and whatnot, I'm like, you know, what if you took Die Hard? That's like a tower assault type adventure. Um uh, and uh, run with it. And then uh, Brian's like, well, you know, John McClane's just one man. We need a party. And then all of a sudden it became the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Okay. That's <laughs> saving, awesome. Saving think, Nakatomi yeah. Plaza. That's a great idea. So do you want to use, you want to use Ninja Turtles or are we going to uh, like have, so, okay, we're doing a one shot based on Die Hard based, right? And the characters, are we going to pre-gen them and actually give them turtles? Or are they going to create characters for this? The reason why I went with, like Matt was mentioning, known IPs is whether or not we learn from each other or someone picks up and listens to this particular podcast and they hear some little some some little increment of idea that they want to take and incorporate into their own sense of encounter design or adventure design by using a familiar uh, IP this allows us to bridge the gap of the most important step of of campaign or session design which is know your players and uh, you know having the the traditional four gauntlet Ghostbusters, Fantastic Four, but we landed on Ninja Turtles because uh, first they have off, good names. They got great names, and all four of the turtles have very distinct personalities. Exactly. So by having an understanding, at least fundamentally, of the turtles, which, by the way, I'm not a huge TMNT fan. I remember the early 90 film and thought it was brilliant and fun and silly. I maybe read two or three of the comics. I never hated them, but I'm not an expert by any means. But I know right. enough about those four characters that if I had to run a session, I, I got something to hook. And that that's kind of the... That's kind of the most important part. So if we're going to come up with designing, uh, you know, whatever these encounters might look like, this helps us bridge the gap of, okay, we're designing for these sort of PCs. Okay. What if, and I like, I don't know much about the turtles either, which is kind of why I'm, I'm shying away from the turtles as the property. But what if we did something like you mentioned gauntlet, right? What if we just took those basic roles 
I don't know. I think maybe the IP is better now. Sorry. Well, let me, you know, here's the great thing about what are some other IPs? What are some other? Well, if I uh, just a, a quick defense of the, the turtles, I mean, I'm not a huge fan either, but I, you know, I watched the cartoon and I saw the movies and all that stuff, um, read some of the comic books. But the thing about each of the turtles is that they're not just personalities, they're skill sets. And I think right. it's a great use of that 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 ip would be a great uh use to sort Word. of exam as an example of like you know Raphael's the warrior you know he's the hothead warrior leonardo is kind of like the, the face of the turtles he's the the charisma guy he's the leader you have um donatello's kind of the scientist I mean, he, he'd be the character that likes poking around and solving puzzles and then um i really don't know what michelangelo is good for but he's comedy he yeah, is that's true. the Crazy, laid-back surfer, Spicoli. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I, I mean, we don't have to stick with her. I was just—I thought that was a a, a neat. Um, they would be a great example of how to design a, an encounter around yeah. your players. Um, what's interesting, though, I want to just backtrack real quick from what Brian said um, about the most important part of adventure design, and and I don't necessarily dispute what he said, but I, I already I'm seeing uh, the two chefs approaching this from two different angles see for me for me and i by the way i was in the culinary culinary industry for 17 years uh for my perspective um i uh for me it was the world i wanted like how do the the idea is something that we can place anywhere it's like the tower assault is kind of like a classic thing so you could place it in a sci-fi world sci-fi campaign where it's like a uh i don't know a space station in your alien you know, game uh, like uh, the Nostromo or no, was it the Sevaspol station? It could be Nakatomi Tower or it could be a Wizard's Tower. It's like that's what I I took system agnostic and thought really broadly. So already we have <laughs> two two different approaches uh, to this. And um, Gary, you all of a sudden started coming into your style and we're just like well what about the roles what about the player roles in the party from a mechanical <laughs> perspective I, this is I, great this, this is going to be a really interesting exercise and real quick <laughs> as a caveat as a disclaimer <laughs> uh, i've watched a lot of cooking shows where a bunch of chefs get involved sometimes it's brilliant <laughs> sometimes <laughs> <laughs> There's this place in Austin. There's this place in Austin. I don't know if I doubt it, man. If it survived COVID, I mean, if it was even still here. But their big thing was uh, chocolate covered bacon. Oh, and you could and you could buy beer. Right? Oh my god! And I and I remember thinking, well, fuck, that's got to be great. Chocolate, bacon, beer. Fuck yeah, let's do this. You know, biggest disappointment oh. of my life. It was disgusting, <laughs> dude. It was like the worst thing. Like, who thought this was a good idea? All right. Okay. Well, then where should we start? I tell you what, Matt, you seem to be thinking broadly. So why don't you at least get us started? Kick us off. What are you thinking? Well, um, I think we're, you know, as a one shot, we're going to have something that's pretty straightforward, I think. And I certainly would want to have our Ninja Turtles be cued in immediately as to um, what needs to be done. Right. So if we're sticking with the turtles IP, um, we really wouldn't have to worry too much about any kind of exposition. But um, 
I think would really be designing like a, a dungeon crawl, right? I mean, essentially that's what the tower would be. Something that's modular enough to be placed in a sci-fi setting okay. or a fantasy. <laughs> can Go I, ahead. Can, can, can I please interject? Sure. Cause already I'm thinking, and this is, I'm just throwing it out there. Right. Um, what if, cause if I, I just stick, sticking with the diehard themes, I've had a little time to think about this since we chatted, right? Like what if, we found a way for the characters to just kind of be there, right? Isn't that kind of what happened? Like, McLean didn't break in, did he? Wasn't he just there trying to do something? Then all of a sudden, a bunch of terrorists take over, and he's stuck in the building? That is what happened, yeah. And he has training, but he has no tools, correct? Like, he was trying to find a radio, and he was trying – yeah, and all that kind of stuff. So – we can do the full-on, hey, a helicopter drops you off on the roof, and you guys bust through, let's start kicking ass. Or we can give the characters a reason to be there, like, like in something, and then spring the terrorist on them. In fact, we could even have a mini-encounter, a mini-social encounter beforehand that we can faint as it's going to be something important. And then when the timer goes off, here come the bad guys. Just an idea. Oh, I love it. You get you. I actually, I, 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 this kind of fits into your style of uh, cinematic sort of framing of uh, the first encounter. You know, we'd, and this would be. Dude, I, you know, I lost you. Our heroes could. Oh, yeah, I can, can hear, you hear you me now. Go back about 15 seconds. <laughs> okay. Um, I don't even remember where I was. I just started kind of. No, I'm sorry. I didn't mean um, to interrupt yeah, you. Yeah, whatever. No, no, it's fine. It's fine. Oh, oh, yeah. Well, as a social encounter, I mean, it would be a good, good spot for the the social character to, I guess, kind of shine, and maybe even you can use uh, the encounter to drop hints as to what's going to happen. Like maybe there's a mole, right? That's kind of setting things up for the terrorists to show up, and while the players are doing the social encounter that's completely innocent and maybe even suggesting the adventure is going to go one way as they're going through the social encounter, they're picking up hints that wait, something might, something bad might Agreed. happen. But let's take it a step further since we're using pre-gens anyway, let's give each of the characters there some sort of social goal or mission in that room. When we start this game, when when the players come to the table and they sit down and we hand them the pre-gens and we say, roll initiative, they already have goals. Maybe Leonardo or whoever it is is trying to flirt with April O'Neil, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe there's a guy there who's, you know, like a famous uh, karate actor and, a doofus turtle wants to get his autograph. You know what I mean? Really simple social situation. So they have something to do right out the gate, right? They're not worried about what's happening. They're trying to solve these problems and we make them mechanical problems because people like to roll dice. And then, so there's already a story. Does that make sense or is that too much? No, that that makes perfect sense to me. Oh boy, here we go. All right. So it's awesome. (laughs) Man, to hear already just the uh, the back and forth, and it already gives me a, a chance to kind of self-reflect on how I start to mentally even begin imagining what it is I'm trying to, to put together that would attract 
uh, player engagement. And like Matt, what you're talking about, you're talking thematically, we're talking about the whole theme of the, you know, the tower defense or, or dealing with the Nakatomi tower, that whole premise, the players that are involved with it, the reason rationale. And that is, that's, that's, that's one aspect of how to begin and initiate the design. And Gary coming in straight cinema in media res is his bumper sticker. And he's already like, all right, how are we going to go ahead and bring that hooks to where already we're using abilities and action and getting that immediate juice, that Bondian opening teaser that either drives the narrative or drives entertainment. And then I also throw in from my vantage point, the very first thing I start with is I go and I break down all of the players, or I call them the stars. I have like a, a multiple S system that helps me just kind of start breaking down whenever I'm designing. Some of it's kind of Mike Shea influence and some of it's stuff that I, you know, from Marvel games and such. So I start thinking like, all I want to know about right now are those four turtles, pretending I don't know them, pretending I'm a game master that's not very familiar with them, but they give me enough enough either on the character sheet or the lore, established IP, and I'm going through and I'm looking at the descriptions of each of these four turtles. And before I even start thinking about the big, broad aspect, which, by the way, I'm not saying anybody's wrong. I'm just sharing, like, this is just the way I think. So I think that we're on to something. Right, right. And by the way, think about how much ground we cover because we're all three already thinking about things that are going to make that first encounter awesome. And us, we're okay right now. There, there's the chefs are all like, you're bringing salt, you're bringing pepper, and you know what I mean. Like, so we're we're okay. <laughs> so uh, where do you, where do you start? I mean, that becomes the question maybe sometimes. And when you two both start a a one shot or designing a night of entertainment for your friends and family, do you start typically in the spectrums that you both are already discussing? I oh, go ahead. Well, Matt, sorry. Oh, I was just I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Um I'll I just ran a Halloween one shot using Alien. Okay. So I started with kind of designing Nakatomi Tower. Okay. In this instance it was two spaceships. Uh one was disabled and used like some crazy emergency docking system to hook up to the main player's ship. Uh and and that, and I just started with the theme, the backstory. The disabled ship was a science vessel that was studying xenomorph um, reproduction. Some bad stuff happened, and the crazy scientist who's still alive, who's also an android and played by one of the players, has decided he's going to use this colonist ship to continue his studies. So he emergency docks. And then from there, I started making the characters. What's interesting to me, Brian, is you start with the characters. Um, And I see some strengths there because already, I mean, going with like the turtles um i already know based on the turtle strengths and weaknesses what kind of encounters i need um with my alien game yeah (laughs) with my alien game i i was just kind of like i have no idea what's going to happen here and then i just kind of let it go gary yeah so for this game because we've said we're doing pre-gens basically i would hand them the character sheet I would point out on their character sheet what their objective was. Their sort of, I guess I'm going to call it B story, 
right? Which they're getting their auto, getting the movie star's autograph, flirting with April O'Neil, whatever it may be. That this is kind of like a they're going to earn extra experience for dealing with this B story. This is their their motivation, right? Then um, I'm going to explain the scene, how they've all been invited to a gala at you know <laughs> whatever it is tower. And uh, we're gonna roll initiative. We're just gonna roll initiative, and then they're they're gonna be in the social event, pursuing their B story objectives. Interesting. Very interesting. All right. So, I'm, by the way, I'm I'm typing as we go a little bit because I figure one of us has got to start putting this together. And so, and 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 like what you were mentioning, Matthew, and 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 you too, Gary, is when we hear each other's. Uh, approach or you, what, what our normal mode switch is that we flip on. I get excited hearing the way that you're looking at it because it's a little bit different. So, I mean, we always do as game masters probably hook into some some sort of plug. And we might, like, Matthew, you're really hooked around the premise. The premise is an exciting premise. It's a premise with conflict, and that's something that it's very important for the entire adventure. The encounters don't matter if the premise sucks. Um, and then, Gary, what I'm kind of drawing off of just listening to you is making sure that there's purpose, like getting the the PCs, as you call them, pregens, which, uh, you know, like, Whatever that means, whether it's a Star Wars character, whether it's a Ghostbuster, whatever it is, getting these into right. the player's hands so that they already have um, a diagram or a roadmap to be able to engage and interface with what you're putting in play. So that, that purpose kind of gets people onto the, onto the buggy. Um, right. And one thing I forgot to mention is I will also roll a timer either a 4d6 or a 6d6 to let my players know that something is, is elaborate. What, so that's know. for the opening or is that for each encounter typically? That's, that's almost, almost for every encounter. So this is an idea and I think Matt's familiar as well. This is from the index card role-playing game. Um, YouTube channel is Runehammer. I suggest everybody go watch this dude's channel. Also, uh, you could not get a better book on just being a game master than the Index Card RPG Core book. It's, I'm about it's to check brilliant. it out. Um, um, but <clears throat> one of the things that he talks about is timers. And every encounter, he will have at least one timer, which I think he pretty much always uses D4. And so in the context of a dungeon crawl, Every time that D4 hits one, he knows that something is going to happen. A trap is going to be sprung. Water is going to start filling the room. The trash compactor walls are going to start closing in, what, whatever, you know, that thing may be. And then, and then once that trap is sprung, he's going to roll that timer again because something else is going to happen. So it's a tension screw. Uh, it, 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 is, it, it is a tension screw, exactly. So I would probably – now, I don't always roll. Sometimes I just put down a timer that says four or six. Right. You know, I, there's, I have a certain pacing that I've thought about. Um, but I'm putting down – on this one right here, I'm putting down probably a, a D6. 
and I really want it to be between four and six, so I'd probably just put them on five, which that may even be too many turns. You know what? I'd do a D4. It would be four. You've got four rounds. You've got four rounds to try to accomplish this goal before this thing happens. And the thing that happens is obviously, what's the bad guy's name with the ninjas? Uh, it was uh, Shredder and the Foot Clan. Yeah, I thought Shredder, but I thought I'm... it was Master Shredder. And well, I, I think anyway, uh, whatever, it doesn't matter. No. I'm actually fine with Hans Gruber, frankly. <laughs> well, <laughs> Shredder also, uh, let's see, he's clad in armor called Oroku Saki. Uh, there's, there's, there's a lot of crossover here. So, so if I might offer, which by the way, I think that we're all in agreement, we want to have a great starting reason that our. PCs are there and need to engage. So, 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 Absolutely. Uh, and then, so Gary alludes to the, to the urgency aspect, something they need to do and accomplish. Um, see, this is where, this would be very hard for me to start with design with just the event. I struggle with that because I usually have to go fishing into, into my player. Um, so, if I may, can I read through each of the four turtles with a short one to two sentence description? All right. Well, then sure, let's introduce absolutely. everyone. If you've never seen or uh, uh, read a, a comic or anything that relates to the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, allow Game Master's Getaway to bring you into this world. All right. Uh, so we first start off with Leonardo, <laughs> also known as Leo. He is the tactical, level-headed, quiet, courageous leader and devoted student of his sensei. Leonardo wears a blue mask. He wields two swords. And as the most conscientious of the four, he often bears the burden of responsibility for his brothers, which commonly leads to conflict with Raphael. So there you go. Whatever class he is and whatever system we're running or what it looks like. Which one? He's is, got the two katanas. It's Leonardo. That? All right. Okay, Leonardo. Uh, so our second PC is Raphael. He's kind of the team's anti-hero. He wears a red mask. He wields a pair of psi. He has an aggressive nature. He seldom hesitates to throw the first punch. He's often depicted with an accent. New York. Cheers, Matthew. Um, his personality can be fierce and sarcastic. He often sometimes delivers deadpan humor. He's intensely loyal to his brothers and sensei. Next up, Michelangelo. He's the most stereotypical youth of the team, free-spirited, relaxed, goofy, mischievous jokester, known for his love of pizza and a kind heart. He wears an orange mask and wields a pair of nunchaku, nunchucks. He provides comic relief, but is also still adventurous. He's the least mature, uh, often depicted with a Southern California accent. Uh, and then finally, Donatello. He's the scientist, the inventor, the engineer, the technological genius. Wears a purple mask. He wields a staff. Uh, he's the least violent turtle. He prefers to use his knowledge to solve conflicts. And he never hesitates to defend his brothers. So these are our PCs. These are the stars of our story. So now let, I throw it out there for discussion uh, how would you start to design or create? Where do you guys draw off of when creating that first encounter, wherever it might lie? You first. Um, 
Well, yeah, I was actually, I'm, I'm kind of curious on where, where you would go. I mean, Gary and I have uh, bloviated a little bit um, because I, I find the, let, let me just for purposes of full disclosure, Brian, I find your approach to gaming absolutely fascinating and very selfless. Like you are so devoted to your players. I think it's very laudable. It's honorable. It's great. Um, I've been listening intently to your thoughts on a lot of game design and, and, and philosophy. Uh, I really want to know <laughs> how you would start with what um, you just gave us. So whenever I have multiple, like it's always great when you have at least four, right? Cause when you have at least four PCs, you've got variety, no matter what, if you take any four random people playing a tabletop role-playing game, you're going to get variety. You're going to get cookies and cream. You're going to get pistachio. You're going to get all these different elements. I like to first look at anything that can combine at least two PCs to where they would have to make decisions that may require interaction between themselves. So when I look at these four turtles, which again, I, I don't know the first thing. I haven't read or seen anything on the turtles in 30 years. Um, but I do see that there's already uh, this sense of conflict between Leonardo and Raphael. They have a brotherhood. They uh, One is very hair trigger temper. Uh, the other one feels the need to, to watch over the, the group. Um, and I see them both kind of in that they have the same purpose. They want to do the right thing, but for different reasons. So then I think, well, which of those other turtles is the hook that would create the need or the impetus for Leonardo and Raphael to engage and have to make decisions that might be either social encounter to what Gary was saying earlier, or in, a, in the midst of a combat scene, creating some different agency choices. Um, so you look at who's the kind person, the one that doesn't want to get into conflict. Let's throw Donatello. He's a scientist, inventor, engineer, technological genius. I would bring Donatello in to my beginning scene. Uh, maybe he's got a, a project. He's been invited uh, to Nakatomi, uh, or or maybe he's going there to, to learn from someone. I, I don't know. Uh, and he's the one that gets everybody in over their head. Uh, so they're there for all the right reasons. And then something happens. And now we we have all of a sudden, what do you do, Raphael? What do you do, Leonardo? So I'll, I'll throw that out there. It's just the beginning. Uh, I'm trying to light a spark. Hang with me. So I, I got a spark. All right. I, I'm using your, your, the way you, you put it together. Donatello, it's a gala. Donatello's there. Do they hang out with humies? Let's just assume. Yeah, April's a reporter. Maybe she's okay. there doing something. Yeah. All right, yeah, I don't know the rules. Um, so anyway, Donatello and uh, some other scientists are unveiling some project at, at the tower. And his goal, right, his opening objective is to make sure that this is a, a success. And then you've got the two brothers that want to take care of everything, right? Aren't there – who's – man, which turtle is the one getting – Well, Casey Jones is actually the one that really gets – yeah, yeah. Wow, Casey, but there's yeah, an NPC. Yeah. All right. God, they don't – there's not a – Yeah. Okay, so there's an NPC. Both the brothers like this NPC. Both of them have the goal of uh, uh, getting a kiss on the cheek from the NPC by the end of the session. 
right? That puts them into conflict. They want to do the right thing, but it puts them into conflict. And Doofus, which is the Doofus turtle? The Michelangelo. Michelangelo. Okay. The Doofus turtle is, Michelangelo is trying to get, you know, his autograph from the movie star guy that's going to be there or whatever, right? But he's goofy. Maybe he's going to make an ass of himself. And the two brothers who are already in conflict, maybe they, you know, Maybe they have to watch over Donatello. I'm just thinking. I don't know for what sure. If, this is, but then in the midst of this, it doesn't matter. That's not going to be resolved in this encounter. That's the ongoing. That's I mean, pretext. This, that's pre. Well, it's not just pretext. It's not just pretext. Like if you watch a TV show, it starts out with like this sort of social situation, and then you have this action that seems to interrupt it, right? But that story, but the character story between, say, the, the two PCs or the PC and the NPC, that's the actual story. They have an objective, right? Get out of the tower, get rid of the terrorists and all that. John McClane, if you really get down to it, he, he's going through all this shit. It has something to do with his wife, his ex-wife, his ex-wife. That's right. You know yeah. what I mean? That's the story. It's the conflict that is underneath the, story, the conflict. Right? So we've get. Right. So we've we've set that up there. This is not going to be resolved. All we know is that we've put the two brothers in conflict because they have the same objective and only one can have it. And then you've got this other doofus brother who's maybe having to make a willpower check to not attack the pizza buffet or something. I, you know what I mean? Something like that. I don't know. What if, um, I mean, you have these three characters that are pretty serious. I mean, we keep referring to Michelangelo as the doofus character and they're, they have some pretty intense uh, or serious or personal goals. Donatello needs to prove himself and demonstrate the scientific invention. Uh, Leonardo and Raphael have their uh, kind of rivalry, friendly brotherly rivalry that probably could heat up as they're trying to get the affection of this NPC. Meanwhile, Michelangelo's got this really kind of, I don't want to say lame, but not very important in the grand scheme of things goal of getting an autograph, right? And it's perfect for comic relief. What I like is kind of building up that tension and give the players an opportunity to be prepared for that thing to happen as the thing goes down. Now, this might be a little cliched, but what if Michelangelo's the one, while he's attacking the pizza buffet, notices some guys that look a little well, too serious that are there or maybe act- he starts picking up some of the cues from the crowd that maybe some of the terrorists are there already so here's what i was thinking i think you're right and it i don't know that it needs to be timed as much because could we do something since we have a timer that goes from four to one could we have everybody make a like a wisdom check like sort of a, you know what i mean like well, a now perception this check, brings I guess? Up, this brings well, up a I, really oh, good go ahead. important because that I would get, ratchet up the tension too. First Why off, can you just roll? hear all of our excitement? Can you just hear all of this? What about this? We're like a bunch of kids, got our GI Joes out there, and we're ready to tell a story with GI Joe and Cobra. We are ready, um, and we all have got already those grand GM ideas and visions. So what we want to do is obviously put. We want to be wary of saying so and so sees or does this. Because now we're, we're creating, we're, we're, we're right. inserting agency where maybe we don't need to. So maybe what is what is the event, and who knows who sees it, who knows how, how they react? Uh, well, so the event is the, the terrorists coming in and, and trying to take everything over, right? 
because they, they got the building gets locked down. Everybody gets stuck. So somehow we've got to, without these objectives being completed, right? We've got to find a way for the characters to be in a position to not be captured with everybody it, else. That's a lot of railroading. I'm telling you, it can be done gracefully. Well, uh, done well, gracefully. <laughs> yeah. well that's why I, I, I like the idea um, of, you know, it, during the social encounter, dropping clues and seeing if the players, um, I focused on Michelangelo because you see that sort of thing happen all the time in these kind of shows with the goofy one all of a sudden is really serious and no one takes him seriously because he's the goofy one. Um, but like give the players during this countdown an opportunity to um, be prepared for what's about to happen. And if they're not, you know, your, your one shot's going to take a different, you know, uh, uh, turn. Now they have to fight their way out without you know, killing any innocent civilians or whatever. Um, or maybe they're prepared and they, they warn a couple of people and they they automatically start the one shot off rescuing a handful, something like that. Well, I, I think that's, I still like the idea of the perception rules. Oh, absolutely. But I, but I also, yeah, whoever folks on doesn't, that can be fine. Um, and as far as saving NPCs, they're all already involved in an encounter with an NPC. So maybe they're able to like scoop that person up, you know what I mean? And take off. And now there's, it's keeping them safe. You know what I mean? Something like that. I don't know, but the terrorists bust in somehow the terrorists bust in. It doesn't really, it it almost doesn't matter because in the end, the play, the players are going to take over right when they start. We're going to roll initiative. We're going to give them their goals. We're going to put obstacles in their way, and they're going to do God knows what. And then that timer is going to roll down, and the tower is going to lock down. Oh, and man. what's that going to look like? I... <laughs> We've talked for like 30 <laughs> minutes so about great. four rounds. I know. I know. You know what I'm saying? So, I know. I know. So, it, so, so I'm so, just saying, let's... And, the, and how does this happen? We need everybody it, trapped. I, and I appreciate us wanting to be expedient. I'm all right, by the way, if we spend a little bit more time in this think space, because I have a completely different approach that I would be looking at here. I, I, I would really hesitate to bring in already immediately the conflict uh, that would bring forth mortal combat uh, with bystanders. I would be ratcheting this down in the, in my approach. I would have, maybe there's some celebrities, like some wrestlers there and they get into an argument and I would turn this into a crazy, silly, fun mock combat and meanwhile, while that's going on, the Foot Clan and Shredder, they're coming in underneath it. Like, like I'm thinking, like, what's the master plan? How do we start to introduce characters and, and scenes and engage without jumping all the way uh, to the big conflict right out of the gate? Because I like to intrigue and pull. Well, it's not the big one. It's not the big fight. This is the fight where they get away. You see, because we've got four characters who are all going to have to accomplish some after. They're not going to win the first fight. Yeah. This is diehard. They have to escape. Yeah. And after they escape, besides the stealthiness and the the minor combats that they're going to have, either together or split, 
they're all going to have to accomplish a task that is not I already am their seeing, skill set. Uh, with all due respect to my Game Master brothers, I am already sensing a distinct paradigm shift uh, in how we're both viewing the construction of the scenario. Because I see square peg round hole of we're trying to fit this into the Nakatomi. We're trying to fit this into the Nakatomi <laughs> diehard uh, sequence. So then we have some convenient uh, encounters. And of course you do. You got Yippee motherfucker. Now I have a machine gun. You got glass, Hans booby. You got all that stuff. And th that's there. We can draw from that. I actually am kind of of the, like inverting, like I'm not really worried so far about developing all the Nakatomi aspect as I am drawing into the character piece. Like what's going to give them character moments and spotlights right well, out of the gate to where they feel comfortable. Well, that's I'm, what not, I'm not saying for. anyone's approach is wrong or different. I'm just merely stating yeah. from my observation, I would not even be looking at integrating the big picture yet and it's fun it's this is so fun to me right now this is arguably the most fun that i've had in, in multiple weeks of us doing this um apart from actually playing being a player was was cool but I, yeah i i'm totally thinking character centric and how do i go ahead and start hooking into these into these characters and getting them i'm not worried about the big piece yet i can layer that that's that's the layer of uh it's like a manicotti where it's the difference between pizza and manicotti like there's the layers and this is just interesting to me to hear how both all three of us yeah. have these completely different approaches to yes the opening scene yeah so yeah yeah there's no right or wrong well by I, the way. no one is I, right I, or wrong because sure. our players love us <laughs> no, for what we do too. I just you know, so. I would only I'm I'm just a, sort of like my rationale behind sort of like getting Hans Gruber, who I'm now envisioning um, Hans Gruber with like uh, bladed shoulder pads now, um, getting him in there with the Foot Clan German Foot Clan whatever. Uh, just because it is a one shot sure. and we want to move things along. Right. And I, and it's one of the things I like about Gary's idea of using the timer. I'm going to start employing that more, I think in my home games, um, but kind of get, you know, get things going. You know, I know my homebrew guys, you know, if I get handed them out, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and like, okay, Raphael, Leonardo, you want to try to get a kiss from April, Michelangelo, you want to get, um, you know, the late great Sean Connery's uh, uh, no, autograph. Michelangelo is all about the babe. You, you got this new Whoever the Duke. babe is, we're going to put a babe in there. Sure, Total well, sweet babe. Sure. Yeah. Um, but I know my players would be like, okay, something's up, especially right. if they knew the counter was there. So they would they would start asking questions like, so do I notice any of this? And so and then I would start sprinkling it in because as much as I have a reputation for loving total party kills well, i do try to give them a fighting chance and i would love an opportunity for either one if they're smart enough to ask the right questions to be prepared and maybe rescue a few people sneak out of the place unscathed or they didn't ask the right questions the counter drops down now they have to fight their way out they they get out there they're john mcclain they're beat up they're, they don't have any shoes they're walking on glass you know 
that's, that's what you're talking about also, this, which is such an important part of encounter design overall. And it's such a, it's such a, a neglected aspect. It's so important to not go in with a predefined idea that it's a social encounter or a combat counter or a role-playing encounter. And a lot of GMs make that mistake. I need to have X amount of these encounters, or I have to need to have X amount to balance out those other ones that I brought in. And to create the right. scenario right. where it can go any one of these three ways, this doesn't have to be a combat scene. It might very well. And to Gary's point, we're adding an element that allows us to plan and prep around that. Um, but it, it may it may not be. There might be a completely completely different uh, way that it unfolds. Um, so yeah, this is this is this is wildly cool. Just to. Uh, now, but there's there's also something we just got to remember. If we create a scene right in the onset, we all know you three, us three, we know because we've been doing this a long time. Players will do the things you least expect. And oh, by the way, if we're trying to, because what's the goal here? We're trying to engage the the players. We're trying to inform them and draw them immediately into a, a night of fun. But what's the purpose of this first encounter? We've got to be very careful if we're trying to get them on the defensive so that we have to start to explore resource management, use their wits. Well, no, a lot of PCs will just sit there and fight to the damn death, or it just becomes a sequence that doesn't accomplish what we're trying to do. So what are we trying to accomplish with this opening scene if we had to reduce it to a sentence or two? To give them a more personal reason other than just rescuing hostages. Love it. It hooks right into the theme the of guys. the inspiration of the IP of the Die Hard piece because McLean, it's personal. Okay. Right. It's Well, and I think you should do that for every single t- – there should almost – a, a con- well, who cares about a conflict if it's not personal? Why are you conflicting, you know? So anyway, that's just me. Uh, yeah, so we've tied. No, I, I think it's in. great. Oh, no, no, I'm not. not I, I, that's it. I don't want to be the prick. I don't want to be the prick, DM. GM. <laughs> so, no, no, no. You're not being the prick at all. You're keeping me focused because as soon as you start talking, as soon as we start going, like I'm already it. in planning mode. Like I'm, I'm already in. In my mind, the building is locked down. There have been some clues. Maybe the turtles have seen some. Maybe they haven't. That will kind of determine their readiness for combat. Because there's going to be a little bit. I mean, they've got to get out. Either they're going to escape right away or they're going to get out. And it needs to be one of those situations where as a as a game master, your players, if they don't know the system that that's being played and they don't understand the numbers behind that system... You need to make it very clear to them this is a fight you cannot win. I was just going to say, uh, to answer Brian's question, you know, what's the purpose of this first encounter? Completely agree. Personal reason other than just rescuing hostages. Me personally, I, w- I would be fine with just saying, hey, you're heroes. You're supposed to rescue hostages. Uh, but I do like the personal reason. Uh, maybe April Neal is there, right? She's recording the 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 gala and uh shredder grabs her and takes her someplace and they just can't get to her because of and here's my answer to the question what's the purpose of the first encounter to demonstrate that there's an overwhelming force that they just can't beat 
head on. They have to run and they have to use their wits or whatever. Um, that that would be the Matt Austin approach <laughs> to first encounter. This is going to be yeah. deadly if if you decide to fight this. And if you guys want to fight it, uh, we'll <laughs> end the sh- session in 30 minutes and we'll go grab pizza and beer. I'm fine with that. Uh, <laughs> one more TPK well, under you, my belt, you know? Yeah, I will. I, I'll add in that there should be um, – you should be able to point out that – as you're doing that first scene that's kind of social and you've laid out the geography of wherever, in my mind, they're at a gala, right? I don't know why. That's just what's going on. And um, you need to lay that out in that first scene so that when all this happens and the players understand that they cannot win this fight, they have to leave, that they know what the escape routes may be. And I think the escape routes should be far enough apart that it would become all, somewhat of a challenge for them to meet up again. I mean, they don't have walkie-talkies. You know what I mean? They don't have anything. Anyway, that's I'm just. This is this is so wild because, uh, <laughs> like Gary, you mentioned uh, about you know if you have players that might be new to the system. Okay, let's just take that for a moment. Let's let's pull that out of out of out of, out of the ether. If you've got players that are new to a system and you prevent you you present a situation where we're trying to give them the feeling of agency, but also trying to convey that oh these are insurmountable odds uh, in the hands of in the hands of lesser GMs this might come off as railroading. Um, I see. I would almost play softball. Uh, I'm going to go ahead, by the way, and pull my whole idea out. We're going to run with both of yours just for the sake of moving on. But I would almost create a mock situation of fun, frivolous combat, maybe some sort of hijinks that allows the superior menace to start to insinuate itself. This also allows for the introduction of maybe a couple of key resource NPCs, um, like the uh, the police officer character uh, and such, like people that Oh wow! After stuff hits the fan, they also might have a couple of of other options. Uh, introductions, setting the setting the stage. I mean, it's not a chamber piece, but but uh, yeah, I would be I would be going with you know just the whole trickery. Uh, and this also ties in, by the way, to do we know exactly what it is that our shredder uh hans gruber what is he really there for what is this all about in the movie die hard they come off as terrorists holding hostages but the reality is spoiler alert from 33 years ago um that they're thieves they're there to actually break into something now uh yeah i'm getting ahead i'm getting ahead but i'm just throwing around darts again for us to start I real quick, Brian, I don't think you are getting ahead. I don't think you are getting ahead because I've gotten to the point. We've come to the point kind of in my thought, probably past it where I'm already asking myself, what does the bad guy want? You know what I mean? Like what does, if I know who the bad, the first thing I would have done since we're using an IP, I didn't have to make a bad guy, but one of the first things that happens when I'm figuring out a basic story is making the bad guy. That's my character, right? That's who I'm playing. So who is this guy and what does he want? So 
I think we, I agree. There's, I like that twist. You know what I mean? There should be a twist in it as well. Nothing should be, it doesn't have to be that complicated of a twist, right? But I, you know, we should have something along those lines that it's a robbery or they're looking for information or sure. a computer disc or, you know, whatever, Yeah. you know, but it should be something like. Yeah. Well, that's actually um, right before Brian <laughs> started talking about introducing other NPCs, which, by the way, I think is a fantastic idea. It is an absolute must for like this social encounter, because maybe some of those NPCs escape too, or they escape with the PCs. And now that's a resource that they can use to help them navigate the building, right. And find resources to help them fight the villain. Uh, but the thing that popped into my question is okay. Or in my head is okay. They escaped. Now what, right. What's the next step. And enable to figure that part out, you know, the next couple encounters, we need to know what are the villains doing? Like, what is their plan? And from there, I think we can distill other encounters uh, to uh, facilitate the rest of the one shot. You know, like um, on the one hand, you're going back to the movie. <clears throat> John McClane needed to figure out a way to communicate to the outside world. So that became a goal, right? He had to find a radio. He had to find a phone, find something, right? Um, and then it was a matter of figuring out their motivation and then finding the computer guy, I think yeah. it was, that techie that was like, you know, and all that stuff. And and from there, we can kind of create for our tower assault, tower defense, however you want to call it, dungeon crawl or whatever, um, locations that the, the players can go to solve the puzzle or whatever the motivations and, and ultimately reach to the final conflict. So let me throw out just a quick little, I guess, amalgamation summary of the setting scene. And you guys feel free to sculpt, prod, pull, poke as you see fit. Uh, our four turtles are attending a technological gala at the opening of the most sophisticated uh, IT tower in the city uh, that is built around securities of all different types. Uh, it's considered got impenetrable computer systems, but also parts of the actual building are impenetrable. It's been designed uh, and, 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 Basically, Donatello is so excited because he's created a project that might also wind up being integrated. He might win a scholarship prize or something with a prominent uh, NPC, uh, similar to the elderly Japanese gentleman who owned the plaza or so, so forth like that. All of our turtles are there. They're dressed in suits because they're trying to be respectable-like for, uh, for uh, Donatello's gala and gathering. Uh, and April is there to cover the festivities because we're going to need a damsel in distress and the urgency perhaps is once the hijinks happen things start happening that countdown um maybe walls start dropping things start shutting avenues start getting blocked because our foot clan and shredder and bebop and rocksteady or whoever like they've they've taken it over and so we have two options here. We can also kind of still protect our PCs in the opening scene by limiting access. They, they might get through. They might save one person or a couple people. Um, and so I'm just kind of throwing around. Like, so this maybe this is, I don't know. You guys tell me what you're running. Real, it's, it's, I, real quick, we need to circle around real quick um, to one thing. Uh, Whatever it is that Shredder and the Foot Clan are trying to steal, 
It is no, not but he Donatello's can maybe think it and be, did, be disappointed. However, Donatello's hold on. Yeah, no, 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 hang on though. Donatello's project, when they discover what it is the Foot Clan is doing, Donatello's project is the solution to the problem. Is the solution to how they are going to stop the bad guys Love from achieving their goals. That like is it. a tie-in. I don't know how we're going to pull that shit off, but we'll come to that later. Some of the best writers, Breaking Bad, Vince Gilligan's group, they just basically wrote themselves into corners every episode. And they had no idea how they were going to get out of it next season or next episode. We'll cover and cross that bridge of how we link, uh, how we link Donnie's invention to the solution in a bit. Uh, so, so, yeah. It's, no, that's that, that's what we're doing. Sure I said right? that we're throwing stuff out there. Um, there's got to be a pizza buffet. Absolutely, got to be a pizza buffet. Uh, and 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 maybe that's where Mikey or there might be some NPCs. So a couple Casey Jones could be hanging around the pizza buffet. Uh, you know, we we can introduce. So where are we going? Some NPCs. At, so. Hang on real quick. Um, this is kind of my thoughts on NPCs and who's going to troll around with these guys once the walls come down and they escape that immediate situation. And this is just a thought. But with the multiple exits being separated and multiple goals, hope, hopefully separating most of the characters, if the scene works out, it probably won't because, you know, players. But if the scene works out, you have each of your characters alone and unarmed in a tower just taken over by terrorists. Are we splitting the party and in the very first you opening? See, you see where I'm going with this? You're, there's, a, there's a really good chance the party will naturally split. If we give them multiple exits, if the walls come down, the bad guys come crashing in, they know it's time to get out right then there's a good chance they're going to the closest exit especially if we're just dropping ninjas on their head like rain it's great and this is these Go, are just matt, jump in let's run so matt what do you think about that um well it's splitting the party is uh always dangerous but it's i think natural and, they, and in this situation it certainly is like like and it serves oh, absolutely the it absolutely serves the i think um Again, kind of going back earlier to what I said, if the players have like been able to spot some of the clues we may be dropping, um, some of them may be, some of them may end up splitting. Some of them may be able to leave together. Um, it's going to be open in terms of how things kind of progress after this first um, uh, I, I encounter, which I think is good well, because then there's if they do get split, now now all of a sudden there's another goal. Find your find your buddies so yeah and i'll also i'll also put in right now that if they don't get split and maybe even if they do get split at the big climax of this i'm not so sure that two players won't have to push two different buttons one at the top of the tower and one at the bottom ambitious ambitious to pull off in a one i don't know just i don't know that's what i say Well, if the problem is upstairs with the terrorist Hans Gruber, but the solution is downstairs on display because they were having the big ceremony, wouldn't it make sense that you would have 
interlocking action scenes. See, I'm not afraid of splitting the party. That shit doesn't Oh, it don't bother, bother me, me either. Bring it. I don't care. <laughs> I'm good. And I think that because you're going to, we've got them together sort of with their, you know, it's very opening. Some of them are actually in conflict. There's two characters kind of in conflict with each other, right? You have this big thing that happens that may or may not split the party, but we're going to give them all goals. And as a matter of fact, they're all going to have goals that they're probably not great at the first time. I kind of want to, I want them to make all the roles they're good at. I want them to, you know, I want the, the, the strong guy to be strong in that last fight. Does that make mm -hmm. sense? Like, I see this as probably about four. I see this as four short combat encounters in my mind. This is just how it's working out. We have the first one, and then we move into act two, and we have them uh, having to achieve these goals that they're probably not very good at. So mechanically, we can do that by putting you know, Donatello in a situation where he's not using his brain or putting Raphael, you know, whatever situation we put them in is counter to their strengths. They accomplish that or not. They get together. They get to be, you know, they get to be the badasses, form their plan. They've accomplished their goals. And then you have the finale where you've got to take care of the guys upstairs. You've got to push the button at the same time. Bam, we're done. Out Matt? In bed before 10. Um, it's great. No, man, you're just... just that's just my overview. Oh, no, great. Right. I love hearing... I don't get to do this, by the way. I don't get to hear Game Master think. We don't get to hear Game Master Nobody think gets to on how this. or why Nobody they would interpret or plan or design something. Uh, it's This is good. Go, Matt. Go. Um. Um, I'm, I, I, if I was like playing a campaign, um, a long-term campaign or whatever, however we define long-term campaign or define campaign, um, I would have no problem creating a situation where player A and their character, who is typically the strong man, you know, wielding the two-handed sword, you know, you know, uttering oaths to Krom as he's cleaving through uh, hordes of enemies, having to do math problems in terms of like a challenge, it's doing something they're just not equipped to do because that's something that's kind of character development. It's a change of pace. It puts a little stress on that player and vice versa. The smart guy who doesn't fight well is forced to fight. However, we are doing a one shot and um, we want to make sure the, the game moves along so we're done in like three and a half four hours maybe five so i i would yeah, but dude you're in charge of the numbers well then well then let, that's true but then we're not really doing anything well i guess what i'm saying is if i was playing a smart guy and i and it's a one shot i'd want to be able to do my smart thing like i'd want to be able to do my you're gonna my be smart able to thing do, yeah, I, you know what i mean yeah. You're gonna do. You're going to be able to do your smart thing, but you're going to be able to do it at the climax of the adventure when everything is coming down to the wire. You're going to struggle. Act two, right? Act two. You're gonna that first battle. You're not probably going to win that one either. You know what I mean? You may not fail, but let's say let's say Donatello has something and he's not strong enough to move the rock out of the way. Well, maybe he makes a fulcrum or i don't know he finds some wood and does some brainy shit whatever we can figure that out 
but the 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 theme of it, and I know it's it's kind of a one shot thing, but these don't have to be long, and it will ratchet that tension up. In fact, the more times they trip up, oh, I, don't I, know, I agree. I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm in I, favor I agree of with that. what you're saying. I do agree with what you're saying, but um, I guess my I was interpreting it as the only solution going with Donatello having to move a rock. The only solution is the strength check, so to speak, the strength roll. Oh no, we haven't even gotten into yeah. the die rolls. Well, in, like we haven't even. Well, in that case, well, that. what I'm saying <laughs> though, in that be... case, then you're still giving the character, the smart character, the opportunity to be smart, and that's kind of to my point. Well, kind of. I mean, I remember. Oh I no, we, no, I know, I know. I you know, know we're we're definitely going to leave a way. We're definitely not going to create an encounter that they can't overcome. And we, we want it to be, but we do want it to be challenging. And just knowing that they're like, you know, they have a nine in intelligence, right? And they got to figure out how to work this little machine that opens the lock. You know, the difficulty doesn't have to be much higher than that. They're always scared about making that mm -hmm. intelligence True. role. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so, but I do see for time's sake, and I mean, I get it. I get it. And we want them to be good at stuff. So, you know, when we design those particular encounters, we can find a way for Donatello to be smart, or we can give multiple ways, because honestly, any of the characters, if we separate, or if they separate themselves, I don't know if we can, I mean, we could control what rooms they go into, that'd be kind of railroady if we knew that he was going to find this room and he was going to find that room. But if we're actually going to draw out a map and give it some kind of chance. No, you guys really, are doing I great. I'm just, I am so proud of all sorry, of us. We are just throwing out different philosophies. We're also trying to validate how and why we design or think the way that we do. And it's coming from this very pure place. It's not coming from ego. It's coming from enthusiasm. This is very important to distinguish whenever you're a game master. Um, because if you're doing it for yourself, you're doing it for the wrong reasons. We're trying to do it for our players. And, and you're right. Like all three of us, we can handle a split party in our sleep. We got to remember, though, sometimes our players, they don't like to be split up. They want to be. We, and maybe we create a situation where it's two and two and it's you and a buddy. But maybe we just create a situation where it's their choice. So it now we get into the question of agencies, the agencies of this opening encounter. And now we, we don't know where it's going to go. They maybe have an opportunity to, they're all dressed in suits. They want to have that badass comic book moment where they peel off the suits, but their gear is in another room. Uh, because again, very secure place. Or there's also that really cool, totally badass babe that Mikey wants to get her autograph and maybe he wants a kiss from her too. And she's in trouble and something happens with the big pizza buffet table. And he's going to, you know, maybe we create a situation that tempts, or maybe they have a chance to take out a baddie. Maybe there's an NPC. And like creating those agencies is what I start thinking of whenever I'm looking at a sequence like this. And I'm just trying to offer context um, because Gary, it's like, man, I, I, you, you can tell you are a musician because whenever you know the tune and you know what you're by, you act one, two, three, boom, done. Four, four encounters, uh, got this set. Like you have got already a mastery. And I think it's because you are so good with systems that you are able to, to overlay all of your inventive ideas and providing these doors because you're so versatile from working in all these systems. Whereas like with, with Matthew, like 
you're into like this whole diehard thing and the whole idea of it and doing homage to something that we saw when we were kids. Like that's a draw for you. Like I'm catching that. I'm catching just how much fun this is for you and coming up with how these scenes look. Um, I, I, I don't know what the answer is. I just know that this is so much fucking fun to hear and listen. I, this is, so I wrote down just some agencies. All right, so what are some choices we're going to give them in this opening scene? Yeah, in this in this in this first encounter, what are what are very plot points scene? or choice points that whatever they do, it's it, it gives them a chance to to interact and and make some decisions that will feed into the narrative. And the next encounters. What are their choices? Well, I mean, in the very opening scene, I assume that they're going to be in the area of their um, objective, right? Their social objective, which is an NPC, or that NPC's approval. So we can put things... <laughs> It's like a set piece, you know, where would they be? Maybe you said, you know, I said something about a pizza buffet, right? So maybe, you know, there's, uh, what's his name? Having to choose between the pizza buffet and his movie star crush, right? So you've got kind of, I don't know, something there. You've got Donatello interacting with, you know, that other scientist that he admires, right? So you've got that interaction happening right there. Well I, I, yeah, yeah. I, I think Go we ahead. have um for me I you know social scenes the M I you know you introduce the NPCs and then you can actually start you know kind of moving the plot along a little bit whether it's these personal goals or the overarching one um so a conversation with the potential you know I guess benefactor to Donatello right the the scientist uh and that could that could drop some clues, drop some hints, um, maybe uh, really kind of give uh, the player playing Donatello a bit of a spotlight for that scene as he wows the scientists and like this, maybe like, um, you know how it is at these cocktail parties, right? Everyone's kind of standing in a circle and the two big wigs are talking and everyone's like, <laughs> yes, of course. And they're laughing at all the right jokes or whatever, something like that. Um, I like the idea of introducing that celebrity crush for Mike, Michelangelo, because while that NPC is probably going to be one dimensional, uh, she can be a potential secondary objective later on in the game. If she's kidnapped, uh, Michelangelo's just got to save her. And maybe he's the one that ends up getting a kiss on the cheek. Um, and then of course, um, what's going on with the rivalry between Donatello and, um, April, or excuse me, not Donatello, uh, Leonardo and Raphael. Um, maybe we do introduce somebody like uh, Casey Jones, who's a third party, who's uh, the fly in the ointment for them. But I also like the idea of giving an opportunity to mingle with random NPCs that can drop some more information, like create an NPC who's like sort of like the nerdy guy who knows the computer labs. He's at the party. He's maybe hanging out at the pizza buffet. He doesn't want to be there. He's kind of antisocial, but you know, that NPC is going to be important to get to the computer labs to, you know, maybe unlock a door, tap into some system for the play uh the players to figure out some more information you know i don't know uh, but create and set the seeds for all these objectives 
in this next act. So, I thinking about it, I would leave clues for Donatello that his scientist mentor was acting funny. Something was up. I don't know if I would say anything or if I would make that some sort of perception role, but that would be sort of the underlying thing going on with I that agree. encounter. Right? Um, and he may not be in on it, but maybe uh, they took his family hostage or something like that, and he has to acquiesce. Um, the rivaling brothers... What if we put now? This doesn't have to be. Obviously, this isn't what it is. But what if we put them in a sort of ah? What's that thing at the carnival where you hit the bell, right? You swing the hammer, you hit the bell. Not necessarily that, but something where they feel yes. as if they're in competition to maybe gain some favor, some sort of game or contest that will help them gain favor with their, you know, April O'Neil. And then for the movie star guy, I, I do like the idea of him having to really choose between pizza and his movie star crush. That's because I only watched the cartoon. Um, but they're right there. That's what's happening with them. Now, as far as other people, NPCs that are going to come along, come along, you know, after all this is over, who's going to know how to get communications up, who's going to know the code to get into this room or that room. I would probably handle that as taking the people that I need. And I probably would not enter, even introduce them in that first scene just because of time. Um, cause, and, and I'm not saying it would be bad to do so, but I'm saying like my games mm -hmm. run at a certain clip and, and they would, those characters would become people who were like hiding under desks Oh, okay. Or something within the building. They would be kind of mission givers, I guess, you know? And then that way you can go one of two ways. You can be like, hey, here's, uh, you know, the floor plan. These are what these rooms are. And the players can kind of decide for themselves. Or you can send the player, the, the Donatello, the computer guy, into the room with uh, the computer guy who knows the computer problem. Or... If you take, you know, the way I like to do the first encounter after the first encounter, <laughs> the, the first encounter in Act 2, you send Donatello to the guy who's like, find somebody injured and has like a big, you know, file cabinet or some something. I don't know. They can't pick it up off their legs or whatever that encounter is. He has to use strength where he doesn't feel too good about that. And then that yeah, person no. is like, hey, if you go here, you know what I mean? I That's... That's kind of how I would handle those NPCs because I don't think I would actually take the time to – I've already got an encounter. I want that encounter between these characters to be focused on those goals because those goals are really those NPCs. And when all hell breaks loose, what are they going to do? What can they do for those NPCs because they're not going to be – you know that won't be accomplished. It's going to be a continual. I like that. The I like stories. that idea. Anyway, I'll stop talking. But that's what I, I am do. just. Uh, I'm just trying to catch as much wind in the sails that you two are throwing, and trying to come up with something that's like a meet in the middle and such. Because I also have some different things. Like I, I, it. This is so. This is just so cool. Uh, because we're talk. Listen to what we're doing. We're talking about the PCs. 
that's exciting to me. Like we're talking about like what we're going to do to bring these guys in. And if I'm getting excited about my PCs right. and, and how they're going to start to, to interact, I know my players are going to get excited. Um, I, I, I threw, so I'm, I'm kind of throwing around a, a little bit of sculpting, but what I've, what I've just done is a little bit similar. Matthew, you mentioned you were intrigued or interested. You, you gave me a very kind compliment about like, the PC centric approach. I'm not saying it's the right way. It's just my way, but um, I like to kind of come up with some different um, agency points in whatever the encounter is. Um, although I love Gary's urgency timer. We'll come back to that in a second, but let's just take these four PCs for a second. And I'm just going to throw a little bit. That's a blend of what both of you have been kind of throwing around and also a little bit of a blend of what I have for the sake of ease these may be some agency points. Uh, Michelangelo, his agency point is uh, choosing the sustenance and the inspirational uh, uh, glory of enjoying pizza, where he might also interact and meet a potential enemy NPC who he doesn't know is an NPC. Like, yo. Can I say something real quick, real quick about your encounter? Can we, if he eats the pizza, we'll tell him that if he eats the pizza, he gets like a plus two bonus on his rolls. That's for hilarious. Encounter. It's assigning so a mechanical, a definitely assigning some sort of benefit to the, to the choices. That's always important, right? Uh, but I, but and that might be a chance to introduce a potential rival, friendly NPC, or it could be a henchman. Uh, but anyway, pizza. Pizza is one of the agency choices. Whatever goes off of that, because look, our players inspire us, right? They'll come up with shit that's way better than anything that we come up with in the last hour of this first scene. Pizza or the babe, whoever the babe is, and maybe she is a damsel in distress. Maybe she's not. Ever fall for the wrong girl? We don't know yet. But that's his. That's his. Uh, that's it. This is his agency yeah. point. All right. His agency point ha, is pizza thinking. or the babe. All right. Let's push Michelangelo off to the side. Uh, now let's go to Donatello. Donatello. I love the idea of the project being involved. That can be very complicated with a player coming into the table at a one shot. It can be very uh, deuce ex machina. It, it can be very hard to kind of in integrate that. And maybe this is one of those things that can kind of be a character point. We also talked about Donatello's mentor, or maybe it's a rival or whoever that other person is. His agency point. He has a chance to either get uh, some information or appreciation from a mentor or rival, whatever it might be. So there's a chance to get some, some, some knowledge, get some information. Cause that's what Donatello is about, right? That's what this PC is about. They're intrigued. They want to gain intellect and knowledge. So maybe that's one agency point, but now we got also have to have another temptation. Maybe he doesn't win the project contest. Maybe he does. Maybe he's just second place. And there's someone else that won first place. And whoever won first place, maybe they are a benevolent NPC, maybe they're not, and maybe their project has something to do with the solution, either accidentally or is the impetus. But Donatello has a choice. Do I go and find out about the person that beat out my intelligence project? Do I go and find out about that thing that, that got first place or that person that did it? Or do I go to the person who is my mentor, who knows more about the systems, knows more about the environment, whatever that is, agency point. Learn about the place or learn about the person or that MacGuffin. 
Hang with me. Uh, Leonardo, Leonardo, he's a tactician, right? He's going to probably size up before any of the other three. He's probably going to size up that something goes a little bit off. It's going to be enough to draw his curiosity. Maybe it's just how certain people are standing or where they're positioned uh, or whatever. And But there might be something also there that really draws his attention. He is a tactician. Maybe there's an artifact or some incredible, awesome resource, the plus one sword or whatever it is. Um, so there's like, what's the scenario? Do I go and find out about what's happening here tactically that only I see and none of my brothers see? Or what about that one cool thing that I find very intriguing? Sword, resource, magic item, whatever it is. All right. Then there's Raphael. Raphael is spunky. He gets into things. He's got a little bit of an ego. Uh, maybe we introduce the opportunity for him to have that strength contest that Gary was talking about, whatever that looks like. And maybe that's where he can have a friendly rivalry with Casey Jones, meeting Casey. Uh, maybe some cool way of like, oh, you got him one-ups, uh, arm wrestling, uh, whatever it is. And he has a choice of that. Or there's that one big tough guy that uh, is acting really suspicious or maybe is a bit, uh, I don't know, apathetic. Or And like Raphael sees that there's something up with that guy. Um, but he's got a choice. You know, playful rivalry with this one guy for ego and fun and connection and maybe an additional NPC. Or maybe Hans Gruber's uh, main henchman who uh, I believe it was his, his name was uh, – oh, God uh, – Fritz, it maybe Fritz? it's Fritz, whatever, whatever that guy's name was, uh, the one that was played out by Alexander Gudinov, the ballet dancer who died in, in the mid nineties, uh, I think, uh, kidney cancer or something like that. Really talented guy. Um, but he was the one that was like the real intense guy. Um, uh, so we want to give Raphael that potential option of choosing somebody that also kind of draws his aggro. So and I'm not saying that any of these are right, but for the sake of just sharing a little bit of how I look at things as a GM, these are all potential points that gives each of these players a chance to play to their characters, but also feed the scenario and make, make choices. Now comes Gary's timer. Now comes the urgency. Whether it's a D4, whether it's the ratcheting of tension through some other mechanic, because again, we're trying to do something that's system agnostic. I don't know what that is yet. But if anything, I just wanted to share with you two, that's just my approach of how I look at bringing players in by giving them decision points that are very unique to them, even if it's the opening scene. Um, I'm not saying it's right or wrong, because Gary, I think you're also correct uh, that, you know, we want, we want to get the ball rolling. We cannot hear you, Gary. No, we cannot. Yeah, hear no. You. So, uh, while we're waiting for Gary to get back in, uh, Matthew. I am in complete agreement with, and I like what you did here. Um, I don't know, I think we're going right. to have to disconnect. So I'll try to remember, remember what I'm about, about to say. To say. Disconnect. <laughs> we're going to reinstall. Boom. Show starts in eight minutes. Yum, yum.
It's time for a tasty and refreshing snack. Hey, Brian, can you hear me? Brian. Hey, Matt, can you hear me? I can hear you. Okay, I can't hear Brian. I, I hear you. I'm here. I'm here. Okay. Hey, sorry about that, guys. I uh, had a microphone mishap, and the software we're using, if you are if you unplug your mic, it's so cheap. It's because it's free. But <laughs> if you, so, like, once you fuck something up, there's no coming back. So just no future reference. That, that whole, like, while Gary's away, while Matt's away, nah, bro, we're all taking a break. So, <laughs> That's good. This shit's held together with duct tape. All right. Okay. <laughs> Where do we lose you, brother? Uh, I can hear y'all the whole time. So oh, just cool. pick up wherever right. you need. Well, anyway, the the thing what what I was just trying to share um, in in the interest and, and like I said, by the way, if we don't completely get this all through tonight, I'm all right with it because I think we're learning. Like we're all kind of getting ideas of how we design, and it's all right to slow this roll a little bit. But my point was being. Uh, I was just kind of sharing with decision points, and yeah, giving, I, was, I got through all those. Yeah, so yeah. yeah. Anyway, we're there. And, and then Matthew, you were running with something. Uh, I guess just uh, take it away. Well, sure. Yeah. Uh, well, no, I think this actually what you kind of broke down um, is actually a really good way to keep things. Uh, moving for a one shot um, and it kind of like you said it kind of is in the middle of ground between what Gary and I were talking about because for me again I want to make sure the players have feel like they had a chance so if um, you know Michelangelo chose not to go for the pizza and meet and maybe have an encounter with a potential villain and get a clue that something bad's about to happen. And he went to the babe, you know, well, Hey, you were doing your thing and that's cool. And, and that I could tell you would get a lot of laughs later on in the game with my player, uh, especially my home crew crew. They, they love it when stuff like that happens. Uh, so I, I think that's a really good idea. Um, uh, and uh, I think that's really all I had to say on that, so but I do like it. When I realized that y'all couldn't hear me was when I was trying to scream, hey, um, when you talk about these other – so we've already set up like their goals and kind of what that scene would look like, right, with the, the characters that they're supposed to be interacting with. These extra things, you know, the noticing if things are going to be around, that's part of the timer. I want everybody making a perception check when I flip that timer over, and I'm going to have a list of things – that they might notice. They might notice the security looks a little funny. This isn't how security is supposed to look. They might notice, hey, all these people all of a sudden are just gone. You know what I mean? Like whatever these things are, there might be something on the window or a listening device, whatever it may be. I'm going to have a list of those things. So Don't, that so let's not rush through that because I want to spend some time here. I spent time breaking down a little bit of what I do with PCs and giving them different agency <sighs> points. Can we spend time now, you, Gary, lead us through, and it's all right. We can swim in the water for a bit here. How can we create what, – what, what would be some of these urgency points? Um, how can we create that sense of escalation of a little bit – how do we start it from a, from a, a nominal, playful uh, bit of distraction to now, wait a minute, what's that? Oh, gosh, wait a minute. Well, 
I want to do this or that. Oh God, what just really happened? Like, what is this? Is it three, four steps of tension? How can well, we, how can we so, boil a frog? Okay, so really, this is how I see it. Okay, in this first scene, honestly, I we'd already be done playing this game if I was in charge of it. Um, <laughs> there, <laughs> we'd, we'd be finished and counting experience points. Uh, so basically the timer is going to, I may not have, I'm not going to have something attached to every time I flip that timer. Right. But when it's my turn, when it's the game master's turn and I flip that timer, just doing that at the table is going to ratchet up some tension. That's also when I'm going to ask everybody to make a perception check. Right. And I'm going to start feeding. I'm not going to tell them you see a guy with a gun. I'm going to say security looks funny. You know what I mean? I'm going to dole it out, but they still have this goal they're dealing with. They're not going to see any imminent danger. They're going to get clues that things are off, you know, and they might now later on, they might understand like, Hey, why is this door locked? Oh, whatever. You know, I got to get the pizza girl. You know what I mean? <laughs> I got to figure yeah. that out. So that's how I'm going to go about that. And I'm actually not going to plan it that much because, like I say, I've, I've created the pinball machine and my players are in it. And it's just gravity at this point. You know, I've given them a target and rolled initiative. So let's see what happens. Um, but I will say this on the timer, you can do one of two things on the timer. I would probably have the terrorists jump in, I would probably set the timer on four and have the building locked down when I counted down to one, right? Um, however, I could see something happening if you wanted it to be a longer adventure or it was a longer night of play or something like that, where you maybe had a timer before that, that would be something like, um, I don't know, shit, I really don't know. Um, Maybe not even something that ratchets up tension as much as it maybe once again distracts them from their goals. And I would actually, I would actually probably make this decision at the table to tell you the truth because I would be watching my players and seeing whether they're getting bored or not. Good how point. engaged? Good how right. yes. yeah? How engaged are they? You know. Yeah. Um, but I, but I know I'm getting four rounds at least, and I may have an added event. But after that event happens, I'm not putting the timer back on four. I'm rolling it. And if it comes up one, that is, the terrorists are popping in that next round. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I like the timer, and I like what you're kind of setting things up. But I could tell you, like, some of my players, the moment I, I say something to the effect of security doesn't look right, um, they're going to not really care too much about the pizza buffet or the celebrity girl or whatever and they're well, gonna what are start, they going to do they're going to start asking more questions and they're going to start okay well, can i can i go investigate this i want to go check out where where was that guy did, did he come out of that door over there that you described i want to go there i want to go check okay. there so well i where i approach sort of these one shots and this is where i'm i'm focusing on nakatomi tower um, I would have had the map drawn up by now. I would have had a variety of locations they need to be at and just set the stage, set these like objectives uh, and obstacles already ready to go. Um, and then, and this is why I, I find, um, you know, our different approaches so fascinating to listen to. Then I would be coming to back to this first um, encounter and saying, okay, this is why they're there. Here's some 
NPCs or things that could happen that give them a little bit of clue so they don't feel like I, you know, kicked them in the nuts or something, you know, and gave them a chance. Um, but because... Hang on. Well, hold on. Can I ask you a question sure. real quick? Why do your players have to know every little fucking thing that's going on? Excuse my language. <laughs> yeah. Why the fuck? I'm serious. Why do you feel like your players have to solve the puzzle before they even know the puzzle's there? Well, it's not that I. This is a, this is not about a, a puzzle. Attack. Well, I understand it's a surprise attack, but they they I think it it's only because it's still a game. I want to give them an opportunity to know that something's about to happen. And maybe they prepare for it versus, yeah, well, you know, and that's it. I'm not saying they're going to be like, Oh, Hey, look, I found Hans Gruber's, you know, dissertation and how he's going to attack Nakatomi. Plaza. Okay. I'm not saying right, that, so, but, right, right. but what I'm saying is like, I have the entire plaza ready to go because I don't know what my players are going to do. My alien game went off the rails, like almost immediately, but I had, seven pages of notes and a couple <laughs> a couple of maps all ready to go just in case to do in in the event that they decided to do these other things and um and when they went and off the rails i was prepared for it so um okay. i like the decision points i like i like giving them a reason to be there and i like kind of giving them something to do that's gamey right uh to kind of get them settled in and give, uh, uh, give them this false sense of security. And I like the ratcheting up of the time with the timer. Um, but I would have had the plaza mapped out by now. Just saying. Yeah. I, well, yeah, I don't know that the, the yeah. I mean, I've, I would have the rooms that I would know the rooms that I needed. I already know the rooms that I need. And that's, yeah, I've got that already. Um, really I'm well past, like, I think, I think we've got everything for the first part. We're not spending, we're spending tops in my game. Anyway, I'm spending about eight rounds in that first encounter. This, so this brings you up, know what I mean? this is, uh, there's a couple of great points that came up. Oh, and that's the other thing. Wait a second. That's the other thing I needed to say. I'm sorry. I almost forgot. The other thing I wanted to mention, when you say your players are like, what about this? What about this? What about this? We're, we're in a social encounter. We rolled initiative. You get to move and you get to take an action. And we're going to have story in between that, but you don't get to spend five minutes poking around the kitchen. Oh, that's true. You know what I mean? That's true. So I've got, so that's kind of keeping the players in line. And also as far as them wanting to go anywhere, anywhere else in the tower, this is a social situation. There's security there. They can't just go walking around up in the office buildings, you know, until things kind of, kind of get crazy. That's true. So I see what, you, uh, that's I true. See what you're saying, that's but true. we do have these guys pinned in. Yeah, that's true. You know no, I, mean? I, I understand. I understand what you're saying. Um, but I, I think if, I think the personal objectives would quickly get ignored and the next three rounds, because you were running with a four round encounter, I think the next three rounds would be spent, um, you know, Okay, well, I want to make another perception check, and they're just going to sit, stand there like wallflowers, you know, back of the room with their champagne. They might not even be holding champagne at that point, then, looking for a weapon. We need to get, yeah, you know? then we need to give them something to lose by doing that. Hmm. We need to make the objectives more important. We need to make their yeah. personal objectives more important. I feel like, you know, we by them sitting down at the game table, they know there's going to be a fight. Oh, that's yeah. When you, t yeah. you know, when you tell them they're at a gala, a gala, and they've got these other objectives, they're probably guessing somebody's going to bust in. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there's something's got to happen in this game. We're not just going to talk to girls all night, are we? Um, Imaginary girls. <laughs> 
imagine imaginary girls at that right we're not going to talk to our dungeon master <laughs> pretending to be a girl all fucking night rolling dice you know it's just not going to happen you know so <laughs> anyway but by this time i think i'm definitely in agreement with matt that like i'm i think i'm in agreement with matt i don't know like i'm done i don't need anything else I'm I'm finished with with Act One, Part One, and anything else that comes up, I'm winging it. At this, you know, the walls have come down. Roll initiative again. This time, use your agility. You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm I'm still throwing some taffy at your feet right now, Gary. So just slow slow your roll for a second game master Um, i want to fight i know you do i know you do and this is so fun because i'm I'm learning again a lot by on how so it's funny because all right to use this the chef metaphor um gary already has that recipe like he knows where he's got to get these ingredients down because he's got to get that fucker in the oven so it can start cooking because he's he wants to eat at 6 p.m he does not want to eat at 604 he wants to have that dish ready on the table at 6 p.m and and matt uh matt you're you want to be very careful because if you bring the dish out too early and you already know what the final dish looks like because you're you're envisioning the big the big overall uh, the banquet. Your players are going to rush for the main fucking course. They're yep. going to run and go eat the 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 the, the protein. They're going to go after the fucking prime rib uh, without even touching the hors d'oeuvres. And these are very interesting game master quandaries, right? Um, Gary's breaking this down into into four rounds steps, um, but also we're read the room what's the temperature of the oven well in this case what's the temperature of our pcs they might want to spend a little bit more time in that social space than we ever planned um and what is our patience as a game master if that's the sort of game and that's the sort of encounter they want to run and they're really into it when do we pull the rug out um i don't know if there's a right or wrong answer for that that's just inspired do we create beats that are pre-planned to give them the, the understanding and encounter design that lets them know that these things are what you're learning about this building or environment or the map uh, as, as you bring it, Matt, or to Gary's point, Hey, I can play that by ear. I can do that inspired and come up with something every four rounds or every two rounds. It's going to be my chance as a game master to do something fun and creative based upon what they're giving me. Um, And, and, these are just, again, there's no wrong answers. This is great stuff. This is the stuff that's the meat of the design. At the end of the day, the average encounter in, in most game systems uh, can run typically anywhere from about 20 minutes to as much as 40 minutes. There's a lot that goes into it. But typically, uh, uh, if your encounters are less than 20 minutes, then they shouldn't even be an encounter. We're, you're not doing it right. And if they're running more than 40 minutes something maybe went a little bit awry. So it's, it's, it's interesting to kind of see how do you uh, take it out of the oven when you think it's ready. Uh, you know, hey, hand in the air, hand in the air question. What if, and this is how I run, not every game, but a lot of games. What if you are always in turn? 
See, now, and I was going to bring that up because when you started talking because about – Because I'm almost, I'm almost always in, in turn. I, I, and that, when you mentioned that, you're like, you got four rounds. What do you want to do in that round? And that was something that we experienced when we, when we did the Star Wars uh, playthrough, that you created that sense that you were in turn, uh, which is an interesting um, – that's an interesting I'm sorry. Uh, you, you, you cut out. I created the sense of what? You created that sense of we are in turn when the social choices were taking place. We were like, in turn. You, you, and that comes from your background. Yeah, yeah. For your sure. background in a lot of those narrative systems, you're very comfortable with that. Uh, it's interesting to think about what's the impact on the players and how you instill that comfortably. Um, so it, it's, again, not right or wrong. It's just to Matt's point fascinating to think about how we all three approach this uh, to, to, to go. All right. But let's say for instance, what, for whatever reason, channeling whatever magical powers we have, we're going to get through this first encounter. We got it down. We've got some agency points. We got a map. We got a situation, a scenario, tension beats that are either inspired or pre-planned uh, to give them the chances to ratchet that up. And now the gambit is on. Scene is done. Now comes the most important part of a campaign session for one evening. How do you connect one to two? What is two so that it doesn't feel railroady, but you still have something to work from that is going to give forward motion? Uh, what does two look like? What does the second encounter look like? Open forum. Well, I assume this is where the bad guys attack, correct? I I was kind of lumping that into the first encounter, like that. Okay, for whatever so, they, reason, so yes. then they've gotten away. So then our heroes have gotten away, correct? Correct. Okay. However, that, whatever that looks like, turtles jumping into the sewer, they're hanging out on, they jump out a window, hanging from the okay. side, whatever that looks like. So the way. The way I imagine in my mind is that the building is completely locked down, right? There is no getting out. And they have found an exit or separate exits that take them away from immediate danger so that they can regroup and figure out what's going on, right? They can get themselves together at least or possibly even rescue, you know, their sort of favored NPC that they were dealing with. Um, this is actually... Uh, because I'm assuming that before that, we had at least a scuffle. There was an agility check to jump through the exit. Maybe they had to take out a goon on the way to get there. Maybe there were gas canisters thrown into the room to knock everybody out. And they had to make a, an endurance roll to you know, not take some kind of damage. I'm not sure what that, that action scene looked like. But at the end of it, they have gotten away. So what we have to do then is point them towards the next objective and these objectives are going to be geared towards their new needs their new needs are figuring out what's going on and how to stop it so let's let's blow this up macro for a moment let's, let's keep it kind of abstract um because we don't yet, again, we don't want to go ahead and say that this is a social or role-playing exploration combat encounter. We don't know yet what this what this two is. We're leaving it abstract. What do we want to accomplish? What do we want to accomplish? Gary, you bring up the point about now the needs have changed. The playing field is now different. 
what is the challenge that we want to put forward to these PCs that's going to force them to have to make some new choices, new right. decisions? Well, in my mind, this is where we challenge the PCs in the areas that they are weak in. Right? Love it. Love it. This is this is where their new objectives um yeah, it's 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 where they're going to be weak. It's the moving the rock but not being very strong. It's having to figure out the code but not being very smart having to charm the guard, but not being very pretty, okay? This is where we have these encounters. Now, this is kind of where it's, it's, it's another situation where I don't want the players to feel defeated, but, it's all, but they're not necessarily, you know, I, I mean, I can't, I can't tell them, I, I can't say exactly what the outcome is. Right. It's okay. But I do, yeah. but I do want to make it to where the outcome of these particular encounters is not perfect. Right. It's not like they're going to solve the whole problem right. and something may get complicated even more during that depending on, but this is also where each of the characters is going to be tested where they are weak, which is kind of why I thought about splitting the party right at the beginning because if you've got all four of them together in a room and there's a science problem and a strength problem, well, then why wouldn't the science guy just do the science stuff? You know what I mean? So that's where the idea from splitting and then having them achieve that first objective, come together. They're stronger as a unit, right? They achieve the second objective, which opens up into, you know, finale. At what, when you're going into a, that second that second encounter, whatever it looks like, what is what is your your purpose or motivation? What what, what is your, what is your end game in in this second encounter? What are you trying to accomplish? Um, well, I I don't know if I'd have I'd be looking at in terms of what's the next encounter. Um, I would be looking at again the the world of this um, one shot Nakatomi a Plaza and identifying you know what where I guess objectives would be located and what kind of obstacles uh, the PCs would have to overcome to get to those objectives, which would be rooted in what the villain's motivation is. So um, uh, if, so if I was, I would actually stop uh, and, and go back and say, okay, let's talk about the NPC, the villain, you know, what, what exactly is he, what does he want? Where is it located in the tower? And how can the PCs get there before he gets there or get to the solution before he figures out that there is a solution to thwart him or whatever. And however we want to shape the MacGuffin kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, See, but for me, that happens in the next encounter. But yeah, you're right. We need to go there. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. I, it's fine because I don't know. Um, you know, like, again, you want to split the party, which I think is a good idea, given what you're talking about in, in, in your philosophy. Um but what if, you know, again, I'm looking at my map. What if the Donatello ca character, he split off and he ends up finding this the smart challenge? So that's going to be nice and easy for him, right? Um, that's why I'm not sure I'm using a map. Oh, interesting. I'll explain, I'll explain, interesting. I'll, I'll explain when it's my turn. That's interesting. <laughs> um, I, I, that, you don't think that might be a little railroady? 
I, I'm gonna yeah. actually. I'm gonna bring it up. I'm gonna say we're, it. we're getting are into we, different, gonna, different, gonna, different arguments here. We're, let's not do that are we yet. Do it? No. Okay. 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 <laughs> no. 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 It's all right. It's all right. We're yeah. going into grid, gospel, of the grid, theater of the mind. Let's stay away yep. from that. We let's table that. We're gonna put a pin on that, gentlemen. All right. Con, continue, <laughs> Matt. Continue, Matt. Um. So yeah, I would. I would have. I would talk about the villain. What? I, I would design the villain. What? Why is he here? he or she here what are they doing um and maybe even maybe there's a the the henchman fritz maybe he also has like his own you know minor goal just to kind of add a wrinkle maybe i don't know this is a one shot so i might not want to get that complicated and then from there just sort of design where the objectives are on the map and then from there once i've located those you know um create the obstacles around those objectives and obviously the objectives and the obstacles would be related some way you know if they need to find a, a computer program they're going to need to crack a code to get into the computer program but maybe getting to that lockdown uh mainframe uh requires john mcclain or the ninja turtles to crawl through some ducks you know that sort of thing to get there you know um i don't know but but that's kind of where i would go that's where I guess like the quote unquote dungeon crawl sort of like comes into play. Um, and uh, the, the, the dungeon itself becomes sort of takes center stage in terms of um, how you design the next encounters. Why do I get the feeling Matt, that you would really enjoy designing this Nakatomi inspired uh, five, seven, 12, level, whatever it is for the turtles and creating these different challenges or challenge rooms challenge like that it's a it's a it's a puzzle box right it's that you get to unlock and create for them to work off of and there is nothing wrong with that because there are players out there that the the nakatomi tower is kind of the star it is in the movie in many ways yep. yeah. and I, it doesn't surprise me that 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 intrigues you in the design part of this of the second chapter uh, or second, not even second act, because we don't want really to think of, but it's a rising action, right? So what I heard from Gary, that because again I'm taking notes because I love it because I'm stealing all this shit, I'm stealing everything. Um, <laughs> Me Gary, too. Me Gary, too. Gary mentions uh, challenging their weaknesses. Like this is a great time now to do that, and I love it because that humanizes the player characters. It humanizes them, gets them on their heels a little bit. Um, introducing complications. Absolutely. Whether that's resources, whether that's conflict with a, a, a social or NPC aspect, something goes a little bit off and they got to respond, react or redirect. I love it. Um, and then Gary, you talk about theme building. Like it's not lore dump, but you want to build that theme now and really ramp up this theme. The haunted house is haunted. Uh, whatever that sense of discovery is, like you were honing in on the discovery now, the circumstances. Right. Uh, Matt, you also talk about illustrating the villain, and maybe we want to show a little bit, show him off a little bit his reach, his power, uh, or maybe it's a secondary villain, which is important because that secondary um, Fritz or whatever the guy's name is, that's important because that might be Raphael's hook into this whole thing is that rivalry. Uh, but establishing, you said objectives, uh, which I don't think is, is wrong. Um, you could also substitute just options and giving 
objectives, options, whatever that is. What's interesting also about that is would their successes or failures increase their ease or their difficulty? And how can you put that in? Because we're still in the rising action uh, to the missing comments. Everybody yeah. talk. So, all right. So real quick, for me, this part of the, the session, the players still don't have a handle on what's going on. All they know is that they the building is locked down and there's, you know, ninjas everywhere, right? Or Hans Gruber and his folks. So whatever they're 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 going to be pointed in a way. They're going to be they're I don't know exactly how yet. We'd have to break that down. But basically each of the characters will be pointed towards the objective that I have planned for that character for the, and when I say objective, I mean, die roll at the end of this is a die roll. It is a check, right? Whether it's a combat check or whatever, in whatever way they're going to be directed towards that, that becomes their new thing upon achieving that goal. Hopefully there are some new complications. Maybe uh, the movie star lady sprained her ankle, right? In fact, I'm going to go with that. So uh, who's the guy? Michelangelo? Yeah, Mikey. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So Mikey was able to rescue the movie star lady, let's say, and I'm going to have her sprain her ankle. He's going to achieve his goals, but she's going to sprain her ankle. And he's going to have to, whatever happens, he's going to take some minuses because he's got to carry this chick around, right? And I'm going to do something similar to each of those characters. However, when they achieve their goals, and their goals will be blocked, it's not just going to be crack this code. It's going to be, hey, there's guards in front of the door or a security system or something like that. And then they're going to get in there and they're going to do this thing, right? Once that is achieved, then they are going to know, hey, this is Foot Clan. These are ninjas. They've asked for a ransom. We don't know their true intentions yet. We don't know that they're robbing the basement while they hold hostages upstairs. But we know who the bad guy is, and it's after the second encounter is when they get the walkie-talkie and they hear the bad guy's voice. I don't want them to see the big bad until the end, but that's when they're going to hear his voice. And then that third encounter, like I said, that third encounter, they're all together. Slow your roll, slow your roll, Sorry. Sorry. I know you're ready. (laughs) Let's let's get a second. All right. So communication, establishing the baddie. Maybe it's an intercom, walkie-talkies, magic mouth, whatever it is. Um, that's awesome because now there's that opportunity to create that uh, adversary uh, without having necessarily combat right at that moment. Um, creating these pitfalls that, depending on how the PCs handle or deal with it, uh, Builds them up, even as they're getting broken down. Uh, they might be having to make unconventional choices, which plays in the character. Now you're playing a character, right? You're not just playing stats. It's easy to play the stats right. whenever you have zero hindrance. Uh, we haven't even, we haven't even gotten right, into right. resource management at this point, by the way, uh, because you know John McClane. It takes a little while before he gets a machine gun and says ho ho ho. That, so yeah, I was going to say that becomes before that that comes before the last act. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it, this is good stuff. This is fascinating because 
we're, we're accomplishing two things. We're building the motif, but we're also building the players and giving them chances to get more of that definition beyond just the combat scene that they had uh, from the, from the, from the opening. So this is, this is good, good stuff. Matthew speak. Um, I, 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 I'm, I'm going back to my map. I'm sorry, uh, Gary. I, I see what you're saying. Let's do it I now. Let's could, do it now. Let's I, talk it. It's on. <laughs> yeah. yeah, let's do it. Bring it. Question. <laughs> I, I see bring it what you're saying, and I, I completely agree that those um, encounters can happen and probably should happen. But, um, you know, if they – okay, the gas canisters go down – the, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles have figured out, oh, crap, we're under attack. Everyone's passing out from the gas. We got to get out of here. Maybe they grab April. Maybe not. Who knows? But they get out. Maybe they're split. Maybe they're not. For me, my next thing would be, okay, you guys made it out. All right, you're in this hallway. W which way would you like to go? And then I'd see where they go. Some of them. And then they maybe they meet up with each other. Maybe they don't. Um, but I guess I'm for, I'm not seeing how you link it up you know, okay. without, cause it sounds like, like if, if you said, okay, you, you jump out and now you have to, well, why don't you just, I, I just, I just don't see sure. it. I just don't see it. Sure. Okay. Well, I'll tell you how it works. So during that very first encounter where we are setting the stage for absolutely everything, absolutely everything we need to know. Most everything we need to know is in this first encounter. Our players are going to be able to look back at it and say, oh, yeah, when during the gala, remember? So we've pointed out these exits. These, we, we're going to call them exits, we're, or, but we're probably going to tell the players it's the kitchen or it's the bathroom. We're going to point out, you know, they're going to know the lay of the land. You know, the pizza buffet is going to be right at the entrance to the kitchen or maybe even better because the movie stars there. One of the kitchen staff is going to be like, hey, you two, we got the good food in here and they go into the kitchen. Right. I don't know. I don't know exactly how it's going to work, but I'm going to set those exits up and I'm going to know what's on the other side of them, at least as far as uh when my players say, where am I now? I'm going to say, well, you're in the kitchen. Oh, oh, I don't think I spoke. Uh, I don't, I think I, I wasn't clear. What I meant was how do you connect from that opening scene to these scenes you're talking about with, uh, you know, breaking the code, you know, fighting some foot ninjas real quick and then breaking the code. Yeah. Where do you get there? Because with, for me, I have my map. I, I explain to the PCs what's going on and then I let them decide okay, uh, we're unarmed. Let's, our first objective in our minds is to become armed. So did, do we know if there's a security location, a security desk? Let's go find the security desk. Or maybe they say, holy crap, uh, our first objective actually should be rescuing the celebrity babe. Or maybe... Okay, I'm going to say, I'm going to say two things to you. One, I think you're speaking from, and, and I could be wrong, but these players sound like they're, they don't deal with story a lot, maybe. Because if you're giving them objectives, you're giving them the, – they have mechanical – there's mechanical advantage, benefits, penalties. There are goals to accomplish the objectives just like there would be in a dungeon crawl. And you know, there's, there's all of those things. So I don't, 
I, I, the geography is important to me and just where are the players and the bad guys in relation to each other, right? Like as far as them, like they might, this one might go down this hall and this one might go down that hall. I want this player to have this encounter because this is the one that he's going to enjoy. I don't really don't want to leave it up to chance. So when they are in the kitchen and all hell breaks loose with the movie star, maybe the movie star is going to be like, you know, hey, uh, there's a private suite on level 65. All the phones are out, but I have my, you know, international, whatever the, you know, rich people phone, mm -hmm. right? There you go. Bam. We got to find a way up to that level. And the players are going to start asking me questions. Now, if I want to draw the map out, I can do that. But they're really going to lead me. They're going to be like, hey, where are the oh, stairs? Sure. Well, that's why. I, yeah, you know, that kind yeah, of stuff. Well, that, yeah. well, that's why, like, in that first scene, like, I was considering <laughs> putting in NPCs where if they interact, they get some more information that may not seem important right off the bat. Like, right, like the location right. of exactly. You know, but what, uh, what would you – how do I want to put this? You think – for example, we'll just run with Donatello. You think Donatello is really going to enjoy a scene where he's got to like crack a code, but he's all by himself. And his weakness is to take on these three foot clan members by himself. Okay. That's the challenge. You think he's going to, but that's well, not no, just, but that's not, well, the, I, the, you think ahead. that's going to be what he enjoys, but what if he tells you he's going to do something else? And like, actually, I want to go find the pizza place. You see what I'm saying, and that's then, why. I, then he's then he's trying to fuck your game up. I, is that how you see it, Gary? Though. Is that how you see it? If if I'm playing a game that I've designed, and my players know that when we sit down, there's going to be encounters and a story and goals, mm -hmm. right? And in the middle of this game, which is a one shot, I have some dude who's like, "Man, fuck all this. I'm gonna go eat some pizza." Well, what's he get the fuck out <laughs> well, of here? Well, dude. not like eat get, pizza. I don't, I don't go. mean to literally like go eat pizza, but he becomes more interested in the thing, it's something else that you thought he would Such be. As, in. Well, maybe he wants to go well, save the celebrity babe. I don't know. I mean, he's he's welcome to try, but I mean, look, I'm gonna put him in this place, right? Let's say it is the kitchen and he's let's or let's say it's not celebrity babe let's say it's one of the other sure. one of the other guys and he's in another place where the celebrity babe is not right there's a big gap in between that filled with lots of ninjas mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or machine guns or whatever you know you can want a lot of things that doesn't mean you're going to get it sure and if that's the goal that he wants to continue to try to butt his head against fine you know what if you want to spend a night fighting until you die roll initiative but i think that i i don't know I, I don't know players like that man i'm not saying that players won't throw me for a loop or take the story somewhere else but if i've got somebody it let me put it this way when i introduce information into a game right that game is it, it, all that information is pertinent mm-hmm Right, I'm not giving them anything else. It's like a horse with blinders on. They don't see anything but what I want them to see. Absolutely. So if they start hunting around for clues that aren't there, if they start going in a different way, well, first off, I don't have a map. I can do whatever I want to them. I know the bad guy. I know the bad guy's henchman. I know that it looks like a gigantic tech tower. There's probably offices. 
maybe some shopping on the bottom floor, right? <laughs> maybe some condos up top. You know what I mean? I mean, what do I really need to know? I just keep throwing things at them. And if it really comes down to it, and this guy is just insistent on breaking the game, and I don't mean like <clears throat> breaking the game, like you know, he's just not getting it. If he's just not getting it, I can redirect. But if he's just, I want to do this. I want to do that. Dude, this, we're not, yeah, this is the wrong game for you. Hmm. If you want to eat pizza instead of rescue the hostages, go somewhere else. If you want, now, if you wanted to escape and not rescue the hostages, sure. Yeah, we can do that too. I mean, it's not as fun. Mm -hmm. But what player, what player does that? That's like murder hobo mentality. I just, I don't get it. I don't get it. And it would, you know, they may, they may find something that <laughs> they may have an idea, right? And say, but you know what? Buildings have, you know, the, an elevator shaft and I'm going to use the elevator shaft to do this. I'm probably going to run with that, right? I'm not opposed to adjusting the scenario or even circumventing it if my player comes up with a cool idea, mm -hmm. right? Like, yeah, sure, let's do that. But if it's just like they're just being uncooperative, then go away. I don't. I don't need you. I'm done. <laughs> I don't have time. I don't have time for that. Nobody at my table would have time for it either. That'd be like purposely derailing the game. So I guess then my question would be: Do you uh, like how obvious do you make it that you know player who's playing Donatello's got this objective? Okay, um, well, the, the, it's very obvious. One, the, the beginning, the through line, the personal story that runs through the game, like that's on – If we're, we talked about having pregens, right? Yeah. This is a one-shot. It's on their character sheet. They know that throughout the game they need to achieve this to get their 10 extra experience or whatever, you know, their trophy, whatever it may be, okay? So that's always there. That is the goal of the game. You know, look, when I used to read X-Men comics, to me, X-Men comics, X-Men comics were about <laughs> uh, Cyclops and Phoenix not being able to have a happy life because fucking Magneto keeps showing up with bad guys or the government shows up. Mm -hmm. You know, the fights and the action, this is an impediment to a character if we're making a true character we don't have characters that show up at a building and are like oh i hope this place can't wait for this place to get shut down so i can have an adventure <laughs> right you know what Fair i mean enough. that yeah. doesn't happen you know so that is their that is their goal they've got this through line and yes i do this i've been doing this for years on my games you're when you play to your motivation especially when i put your motivation in your play you know right in your player's face that's an XP bonus, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, <clears throat> and that, that style of play was heavily reinforced when Star Wars came out. Right. You know, when they came out with obligation, it was like, holy crap, these guys added the mechanic and it makes it that much richer, you know? So yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. It, maybe I can see a player getting confused, but typically I think they'd be getting confused because I offer them too much. Inf I offer them stuff to look at. They don't need to know about. And I would redirect them. I'd probably, I might, if they made a check, 
I might make a face and say, yeah, make the check. Mm -hmm. And then they make it and I would be like, yeah, it's not important at all. There's nothing important about that. And I would probably say it just like that Mm -hmm. so that there is no doubt that they know there's nothing important about it. But here's the thing. That's that's touchy for me because I had a player not too long ago. Uh, It's you know, that guy that's almost the smartest guy in the room, but he thinks he's smarter than everybody else. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. I think we all know a (laughs) guy like that. Yeah. Yeah. I had a player try to break a Genesis. And I, when I say break, like, I mean, he went into the encounter backwards. There were two hangers and the whole thing was kind of set up for them to come into one, but he was willing to take a test and put his ship through the storm to go in the back way. Like it was all, it was, it was like this. And I, I have no tolerance for that. If you want to go in the back way, give me a reason. You know what I mean? Like if whatever that reason is, Give me a reason for it, but this was strictly a. No, nah, I'm going to do this. Hmm. You know. Anyway, I, I don't know if that answered your question or not, but I, I don't. Look, I've given the players personal. I've given the characters a personal investment with a mechanical reward. Mm-hmm. I, I if if that doesn't get them, I don't know what else I have. Interesting. Well, I, I, I think this is where you and I, you and I see eye to eye on a lot of things. I think this is one instance where I think that the chefs are staring at the plate going, uh, uh, (laughs) because for me, when they jump out of that room and they're like catching their breath, now it's the time for the players to put their heads together and be like, okay, what the heck is going on? How do we figure that out? And that's why I have the map. And they start kind of exploring and looking and asking questions and investigating, coming up with some of these objectives themselves. I op- you know, obviously there's some objectives that they're going to discover that they have to do uh, in order to, you know, unlock the final boss or whatever. Um, but maybe they have some personal objectives that they decide is more uh, of a priority, that sort of thing. And that's, that's how I would go starting act two. So I find this very interesting. Yeah, well, the two of us. Yeah. Very. So that's the end. What you just said is the end of my act two, because there's two encounters in act two, right? There's, there's two in, in, in the way, I, the way I do things anyway, there's two encounters in act two and everything you described is kind of after they come together. Right. And that first act I've given them like their individual challenges. And when they come together in that second encounter, that's when like, so they know the terrorists are there. They know that the building's been locked down and they've got the voice. They've got the voice on the walkie talkie. Mm -hmm. Right. It's at that point when we're going to start seeding the fact that there's something deeper going on here. That's when they're doing the exploration, right? They're trying to figure out, we got to get up there to get this guy. How do we do this? There's all these people, you know, whatever. And they're going to try to, that's, and I may not even know what the solution to that problem is. I may just tell them, hey, here's your problem. Right, right. Solve it, you know? And that's also in that act is when they're going to discover that, hey, this isn't about hostages. This is about the other big mm-hmm. thing, you know, the safe underneath the tower. So, and I think we're on the same page. I guess the thing is, is I... Because we're doing this sort of closed room, you know, the, the, the geography of this, because they're trapped in this building, and I want to make sure that they each have to overcome, you know, something they're not good at, in my mind, it makes sense to have that first and then bring them all together, and they're the badasses that find the stuff. Also, at the end of Act 2 is when the actress, you find out, 
uh, her ankle is not sprained, and she's a secret agent and gasses one of them sure. or something. Sure. Yeah. See, yeah. I think I'm I'm kind of the opposite. My act two would be actually be pretty extensive, as they're finding out all of this stuff, exploring Nakatomi, and then act three is like really short, final confrontation. Yeah. So it, so here's my question then: Do you? Like, how much do they need to know? I guess that's my thing. Like, is it is is the information that they need to know, or the, the let me put it, let me put it in a different way? Because they're going to play their characters, and you're going to play the NPCs, right, right? right? In your estimation, to get the information they need that something bigger is going on, and to discover the key, because this is where they also figure out what's the key to defeating this mm-hmm. guy, right? This is where they discover, hey, it's a top bottom solution, like we talked about before. Okay. So, oh fuck, what was my question? Ah, do you, um, that exploration phase, like, uh, yeah, how much do they need to know? Like, they need to know the, the answer to the problem, but what other information are you planning on giving them that, that requires the exploration of the tower, I well, guess? Or what are the quests or whatever? Well, that's, it's really, I guess, it's the same amount of information I think that you would give, but this is where I'm, I am actually more focused on player agency at this point, because um, again, this crazy thing just happened. They're not a hundred percent sure what's going on. They know there's bad guys. Um, Maybe they caught a glimpse of Hans Gruber with the shredder shoulder pads or whatever, Um, but they know something's up. Uh, What do, at that point, you know, what do they want to do first? And that's where the exploration comes in. Maybe they feel they need to arm themselves. I mean, they are teenage yeah. mutant dig- well, Ninja we... Turtles, right? So they they might Absolutely. not need to arm themselves. So maybe they do. And so I have that. That could be like a little mini quest all in its own. Yeah. You know. No, I have. I'm there with you there because they're gearing up for that last yeah. encounter. I'm all. Yeah. That. That last, so they've 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 escaped right. They have the social encounter. They have a fight. They escape. They uh, they have another encounter that is not combat oriented, right? They've they've just had a scuffle or a fight in that room. So the next encounter is not going to be anything to do with combat, unless they're having combat to get there or some something like that. You know, I, I haven't. Who knows? That can change. But then they have the test, right? They have their their test of weakness. And then when they get together, that's when it's like, all right, guys, we got to figure this out. You know what I mean? And they're all together, putting their heads together to do the exploration that you're, that I think you're, th- I mean, I think this is where we yeah. need it. I'm, yeah, you know I'm I mean? seeing what you're saying overlapping the exploration at the same time. See, I'm combining it, I think. And, and I'm treating yeah. it all as, okay, whether they're together or split up after that first encounter, they're going to start moving through the tower and they're going to start learning uh, about what's going on. They're going to find, hopefully arm themselves. If that's what's important. They may rescue somebody. They may find an NPC hiding underneath the desk. They may not. It's out there. Right. And that will hinder them later. And if they choose well, it benefits them later. Anyway, yeah, Brian. Well, no, I see what you, I oh. see what you, hold on real quick. I see what you're saying. It's just, I think the only difference is in functionality because I want to make sure that each character has a pretty hearty challenge. Right. That is not kind. So that's the only thing I'm doing is I'm just making sure to get that in there. 
And yeah, so I, I'm caught up to you now. Yeah. I have an extra step, I think. Yeah, but yeah, I'm I, caught up to and you. I think those challenges would happen, pro, you know, by giving them right. But like, if your players are walking around on a map. Donatello may not find the room that I want Donatello that's true. to find. That's true. You're absolutely right. And that's that's the that's the difference. Yeah. Is I want to make sure that those encounter I'm going to design that encounter for that character. Interesting. I just I just design encounters and depending on who walks in the door is gonna to have to deal with them. No, I'm sorry, Brian. Go ahead. My bad. <laughs> yeah, no, we've been arguing for like what, thirty minutes? So, sorry, Brian. I don't I don't know if we're arguing. It's just it's a, a spirited in, debate. In, yeah. <laughs> All right. Um we've been doing this thing, I think it's been about five months. I think we started this probably about second or third week of June with a couple of trial runs and started to kind of kick off this whole this whole podcast and the philosophy behind it, which was game masters learning from one another and just giving options for other aspiring game masters or for players who one day want to want to try their hand at it. Uh, during this last five months, five months, um, this has been the most silent I've been um, on, on the podcast. Uh, <laughs> and it was it was important for me to just shut up for a moment and listen. Uh, kind of like sometimes that's sometimes the best advice I think GMs can give one another is listen to your players uh, and such. Um, so I'm going to throw some things out there. Uh, first off, I really respect you both. And the great news is that neither of you are wrong. Um, you're both right. And it was interesting to hear the verbiage that you both used. Gary, is your volume back up? Are you on? Okay, good. All right, so I'm going to share yeah, with you yeah. a little bit because I was taking notes because I, I'm one of those types that I, I learn sometimes from, from listening. And what you both were kind of covering, it was interesting, and I'm going to come down to one key, key phrase, which is very important. It's an important distinction. Uh, Matthew, you used the word scene. Gary, you used the word scenario. Now, there's a difference between these two things. Scene is a location. Scenic. It's a place. Um, scenario is a situation. And it's important to understand the differences when constructing a session because both of these elements are essential. And it's interesting to hear the way both of you we're walking through it, talking through it with one another because you really have a respect for each other. You're wanting to kind of convey a little bit where you're coming from. And you did it. You both did it in a really great way. You know, with Matt, you know, and maybe this is your job, you know, the law procedural, um, you are creating a, a setting that is very interactive. You're creating a laboratory where you want your players to play around with the ingredients that are on the shelf. And that it's tremendous because it, it really does open up to your old school roots of teasing that exploration. You came back to that over and over again, that exploration aspect, because it helps you build your world, or in this case, Nakatomi Plaza, whatever it might be. And then I can also see where you wrestle with some of the things that you're wanting to learn or that you gain from some of our dialogues, which is engaging your PCs. 
So there's exploration, but I see where your conundrum is because you also want it to be engaging with your player characters. Gary, you use the word scenario and you're going into creating situations. You're looking to challenge your PCs, build them up. So just in the same way that Matt wants to give his players a chance to explore and learn the world or the setting and build the world, you're choosing a situation to build your PCs um, and, and, and putting them on their heels, giving them a chance to define and exemplify through agency or dialogue. It might be a social situation. And you were kind of leaning a lot more towards those social choices of how it was going to develop your PCs. And again, you're both right, by the way. Because the art of game mastery is in knowing which of these two is best for your game at that particular moment. And I have no doubt, by the way, that either of you would be able to tilt the wheel or put your thumb on the scales as needed to be able to accomplish this. Now, some critique. <laughs> and I'm going to throw it with absolute respect for both of you. All right. Okay. Here I'm just the hammer. Your mileage may vary, brother. Um, of course you do, because you, you you are the closet lawyer. You're the secret lawyer. Um, you know, Gary, I just caution you against some of the predeterminate mindsets. You know, you were mentioning earlier about separating the characters um, and creating that as a challenge, which that could yield some benefit. It could also yield some unnecessary or unforeseen uh, disengagement because you you have a very strong, passionate sense of you don't need a map. You don't need the exploration thing because you are good at hearing the tune, playing it by ear and creating this issue. Hold on, brother. Hold on, hold on. You had your half hour. You had your half hour. Settle down, brother. Settle down. You had your half hour. That patience and it's something throughout this podcast that I've noticed you you have an urgency, which is cool, because driving narrative and story and character and plot and action, we want urgency in our games. Uh, we put a lot of work into this shit. Uh, I caution you that sometimes your players might want to engage with the world or interact with the world that you're creating and having that patience to smell the roses a little bit, let them let them smell what the rock is cooking. Like you might, it might take you a little bit out of your element because it is kind of a little bit more into, again, that scene versus the situation. But you might draw a little something different. Um, you might have to spend a little bit more time there. Obviously, maybe a little bit more uncomfortably than you might like with your pacing, but your players might enjoy the fuck out of it. Um, and then with Matt, Finding those elements to create the character pieces in between whatever it is that they are finding provocative about the, the floor layouts, the interaction and agency with the, I mean, you are truly uh, that lawyer, you, that, that gospel is the structure. It is what it is. And then what do you do with it? How do they interpret it? How do you interpret it to the purest of its ability? Because you are, you're a purist uh, in, in letting them have that. Um, I'm not saying either one of you are wrong. I'm just saying that I think that there's something to learn from both of these styles because you are both 
kind of different. Having been the player in both of your in both of our podcasts, even though for it was for an evening, you are both different, and you're both wonderfully different. And um, I think I think that there's just a lot. You know, for me, and I'm not saying my way is right either. Uh, this is the manager in me. I go a lot towards diagram mind maps, and I kind of use those. So it's kind of a, it's kind of a cross in between if they want a grid style play, if they want to interact with whatever I threw out there and I said some sort of shit that I didn't even fucking think about. And then they latched onto that. I got to be ready to go to that bubble. But then also to Gary's uh, point, creating these little ticks, character moments to test and build. This has been such a fascinating dialogue. And unfortunately I don't have much more time tonight, um, but I threw a lot of stuff out there. It was very, very interesting to hear, again, the differences of scene versus scenario, the differences in engagement and interaction. And again, no one's wrong here. We're all students of the game. That's all I got. Matt? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I will say that I do struggle with... um... Uh, focusing on players and, and uh, like at times I let me say this I thought I was good at player development until I started talking to you guys um, so I've been definitely taking notes when we talk um, about this these sorts of things but going back to our original analogy about uh, three chefs in a kitchen <laughs> we got pretty dang close but <laughs> I don't know if we <laughs> I don't know if the souffle is going to make it. I don't, I don't, I totally disagree. I completely disagree. You're crazy. Listen, I've been trying to say this. No, 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 it's not your turn. The expert, look, there's a, there's a, uh, the way stories would work, right? Once they've gotten, they've recovered from the incident, right? They've, uh, these things have happened. They've recovered. We've hit a midpoint. The midpoint is the walkie talkie. They know who the bad guy is, right? We've brought the characters together. That's the point where they got to figure out what's going on. And that's a lot of times where it's like, all right, guys, here's the situation. What are y'all going to do? So that's the exploration. That's the, the characters because they're together now. You know, I'm not saying you shouldn't have that part at all. I'm just saying that, look, think of it this way. Do your players ever see the map of your dungeon? Um, no, not usually. Right. So how do they even know there is one? But, well, because they tend to get lost, and, and then they, they sometimes make their own map. I mean, you know, I mean, it depends on the party. But, um, but again, the map is there more for me uh, to give them a world to play in so they can right. decide whether they want to get the... Uh, but that's the other thing is this isn't a dungeon. Well, it is. This is this. No, it's, it's not. not Tower. It's, it's, <laughs> it's you're that's right. And you can, that's right. It's you're taking Tower. away his Christmas. So you can look at it like a dungeon, but we're not, it's not a dungeon. Dude. It is not a dungeon. It, it, but it, but it is. I mean, cause there was all no, kinds it, of it, neat if you things. Map it, he had a secret doors to go through the ducks. There was a great trap why when, the, you, when the glass why broke there, and he had to run across okay. it barefoot. Oh, it's oh, such a dungeon. Is it a dungeon? Is it a dragon? Which one is it? <laughs> it's not a dungeon. And why do you need a map? Your players are never going to see it. If you want your player to walk across broken glass, fucking give them the situation to or, walk across or, broken but glass. But maybe they, maybe they 
do something different. I don't know. If you I mean, want I, your players you know, to if, walk, if in, walk across maybe. broken glass, is that not the most railroady <laughs> shit, though, Gary? Hold on. All right. Did you want them to walk no, across? No, it's not. Glass? Listen, hang on, hang on, hold on, hold on, hold on, real quick. In the movie, John McClane didn't walk across broken glass because, oh, this is the thing he's got to do. <laughs> the glass got blown out. He didn't have any fucking shoes. So if my players were in a situation where the building blew up, that's another thing. I think you guys are thinking this is railroady, but the thing is, is I'm just giving I'm the just player the situation and information. Like I'm not telling right them what to do with it. <laughs> Dude, I want to I wanna get to the finale. We got the last half of Act 2, no. which we just – no, we don't even have that. Because the finale is like in maybe four it parts. Is. Maybe, maybe it is four parts. Maybe it's four parts. <laughs> and it's interesting, the walking on glass thing. And 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 maybe and unfortunately I gotta get ready about I got jujitsu early, but I but I did want to kind of come back to it because you brought you. up I about the broken glass. <laughs> that is a scene that illustrates the vulnerability of John McClain's character, right? So to your point, Gary, challenging uh the character, making them uncomfortable. All right, now why did that situation happen? Well, it happened because the villain did something indirectly directly to really frustrate and antagonize and challenge our PC in this case, shoot the glass. Well, why did that happen? Because, well, John McClane, but maybe it's Michelangelo, maybe because he made the choice to have a comfortable balling his feet on the carpet moment. He made a choice. He made a choice to take his shoes off. He lost a resource for something that he thought was a benefit. This has a very been a very fascinating topic tonight because we took two things that are kind of very well known and understood beloved even facets of action entertainment pop culture characterization the diehard franchise spawned what three freaking fucking sequels um and and the teenage mutant ninja turtles i, I yeah, mean they i mean that the money hand over fist we ran with something no we don't have a finished dish we don't have a souffle. We don't even have a fucking pot pie. But what we did get <laughs> was how some people might go about making that dish in the early stages. We don't have to solve it tonight. We don't have to get any further. I think that this has been one of the most fascinating things in my entirety of gaming uh, in terms of just understanding how and why game masters do what they do or I do what I do, getting a chance to be a fly on the wall for half an hour, listen to you guys, learning about style, because the reality is you are both very, very successful at what you do, and that's because you found a way to find what your players enjoy. And that has been one of the things that from this experience, I get to draw and listen, and it just makes us better. Great job to both of you, because I'm thoroughly convinced that both of your pot pies <laughs> taste amazing. That sounds terrible. Hold on. That sounds weird. Uh, but anyway, you know what I mean? Oh, I'm, well, I'm thoroughly, I, I'm done with eating whatever Christmas cookies. Yeah, either I way hear you. Make. Well, thank you. And hey, Matt, I, I really had fun playing your game. I don't think you're a bad dungeon master. Oh, I don't think you're a bad dungeon master either. I think we both I approached just, I just from, from two very – well, I've seen chefs get you, mad at each me. other. Trust me. I would really – I would really – I'll tell you the truth. I do want to finish this. Next week, I want to finish it because I think endings are important. I really it's do not. think endings do are it. important. We'll finish it. And I would like to do it. And also, I think – Another show, and I know you got to go, Brian. I'm sorry. I do want to talk about how I put together 
I do want to talk about it. I want to talk about how I put together adventures and let you guys pick it apart so that I can explain. Because I think there's a lot of things that I don't, I can't really explain because they're just intrinsic to the way the game works. Does that make sense? Anyway, I don't know. You guys have a good night. This was a lot yeah, of fun. Absolutely. This was a lot of fun. Brian, thank you for uh, it was a pleasure and an honor. Does uh, this is like, you're, you're like the translator sitting like Iran's on one side, the US is on the other. You're like, you know, guys, everybody here likes each other. Everything's gonna be fine. Listen, come on over here. I like cheese. He likes cheese. We all like cheese. Oh fucking a. Oh, that's fun. That's funny. Good night, gentlemen. To be continued. All right, guys. Thanks a lot. Have a good week, guys. What did I tell you? That episode was silly. And what this episode really drove home for me after re-listening to it is that I need to talk less. In the spirit of talking less, hey guys, thanks for being around. I'll see you next week. Thank you.